This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is a Ricky Weber. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today we are continuing our rankings for the positions in the NBA. We are ranking all 30 starters, one from each team, for the 2019-2020 season. Crazy that it's already 2020. Uh, We have gotten through the point guards. We've gotten through the shooting guards. We have gotten through the small forwards. I think that's probably been our most controversial one to spend small forwards probably wrong no, no i mean it was a tough position because a lot of guys have repositioned themselves or we kind of ended up moving their lineup around a little bit to make no things shooting work. guards shooting guards has been worse Sh- oh. shooting guards one through ten has been bad yeah uh, that, that's the one where we've gotten the most feedback okay uh, let's, yeah. let's put that positively yeah. uh the most feedback and this one i think is going to be probably the most feedback episode because power forwards what we're doing this week is absolutely loaded <laughs> we've realized players. they're actually 40 deep yeah, I mean it's it's insane. Like there's thirty the guys starters, but they're forty out. deep. It's it's it, like there's tiers and like the low tier. There's two guys and it's just like these guys suck and everyone else is just like, <laughs> well they're young and you can make an excuse for them. You're Absolutely, like, every single guy is extremely talented. Before we jump into these rankings though, uh, check out Patreon.com/slash/MostValuablePodcast if you want to help us out. If you want to support us, uh, we're trying to upgrade this room. We're trying to move out of this room. Uh, and helping us out on Patreon.com would, uh, would would allow us to do so. So we'd appreciate that and your support over there at Patreon.com slash Podcast. And how we're doing, if you are new to these rankings, we'll go to Ricky and he'll give his rankings uh, for 21 through 30. Then Dave will give his rankings 21 through 30. Then I'll give my rankings for 21 through 30. And then we'll give our cumulative ratings uh, for 21 through 30. If you're ranked 30, you get one point and you know, each position that you're put at you get the opposite amount of points so if you're at uh, 30 30 you get one point if you're at 25 you get six points if you're at 30 or if you're at number one you get 30 points and then we add all those up and then we get the cumulative rankings uh for these positions and i think that's about it and we'll do them in segments we got 21 through 30 mm-hmm. right now then we'll do 11 through 20 and then we'll do uh one through 10 and we'll yeah. give you uh all 30 positions all 30 teams uh talking about their power power forwards so let's jump into it ricky Wimmer. I realize I'm going to fuck up some names, so I apologize. But at 30, we got Rodion's Karuks, right? Karuks. Karuks. Um, then at 29, Kelly O. Kelly Olenek. 28, Marvin Williams. 27, P.J. Tucker might be too low, but he's right there at 27. 26, Zach Collins. 25, Paul Millsap. 24, Dario Saric. 23, Rui Hachimura. And then at 22, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. And 21, the Bagman, Marvin Bagley. You're getting close to end it. You're like, oh, Jerry Jackson, the last one. Oh, and Marvin, and Marvin Bagley. And Marvin Bagley, who I originally had at 29. I'm like, I got to change that. Yeah. yeah glad you, you did. did. Yep. Dave, give us your 21 through 30. All right. At number 30, I've got Zach Collins. At 29, it's Marvin Williams. At 28, I've got Rhodey. At 27, Kelly Olenek. 26 is Dario Sarge. 25, PJ Tucker. 24, Rui Hachimura. I'm sorry, I can't put the spice on it like you did, Ricky. At 23, I've got Paul Millsap. At 22, I've got Robert Covington for some reason. At 21, I've got Marvin Bagley. The Rocco slide over, I'm just going to get it out of the way and say some of these guys we had to reposition because of their team layout. Mm -hmm. And we tried to put the best lineup on the court at the same time. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to it, too. We'll we'll probably end up talking about all these guys except for Marvin Williams. Uh, Let's jump into mine. Uh, At 30, I have Marvin Williams. At 29, I have Rui Hachimura. At 28, I have Rodion's Karuks. At 27, I have Zach Collins. At 26, I have Kelly O. 
At 25, I have P.J. Tucker. At 24, I have Danilo Gallinari. At 23, I have Dario Sarge. At 22, I have Kevin Love. And at 21, I have Paul Millsap. And for our cumulative ratings, that gives us at 30, Marvin Williams. At 29, Rodion Skarooks of the Brooklyn Nets. At 28, Zach Collins of the Portland Trailblazers. 27, Kelly Olenek of Miami Heat. 26, P.J. Tucker of the Houston Rockets. 25, Rui Hachimura of the Washington Wizards. At 24, we have Dario Sarge, now of the Phoenix Suns. At 23, we have Paul Millsap of the Denver Nuggets. 22, Robert Covington of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And at 21, we have Marvin Bagley of the Sacramento Kings. So we'll be talking about those guys right there. Bagley, Covington, Millsap, Sarge, Hachimura, Tucker, Olenek, Collins, Karuks, and Williams. Those are the guys that we'll be talking about in this segment. And I want to start off first with the rookie of this bunch. Rui Hachimura, I had him at 29. Ricky, you had him at 23. And Dave, you had him at 24. My big thing with this is every single guy on this list has proven something in their career. Marvin Williams was a top two pick, and he's even at 30, but that's just because of age, and he really just isn't as athletic as he used to be, and he's just not as as an impact player. But all of these guys, they are either still making an impact or they still have that ability, even though they might be on a bad team, to make an impact if they were traded to a good team. Hachimura just has not proven himself yet because he hasn't played an NBA game. So next year, can he rise up this board? Absolutely. And, and we talked about his potential throughout our NBA draft stock, you know, consistently. Um, you know, he's a guy that just got into basketball fairly recently. The first Japanese-born uh, NBA player, I believe. Uh, I think there might have been one. Yuta uh, Watanabe. Yuta Watanabe. Was he, was he born in Japan? I don't actually know. Okay, but at least I think he might have been the first uh, Japanese player drafted, drafted in the first round. Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, it's absolutely yes, great to see. he was born in Japan. Utah? Okay, yeah. yeah. So I think he was the first uh, drafted first round, yeah. uh, a, a player, uh, Rui Hachimura, that is. Um, he, he's definitely got the skill set. I mean, we, we talk about his athleticism, and he's extremely athletic. I think there's still a lot for him to work on, and him being on a poor team in the Washington Wizards, I don't think it's going to be best for his growth right away in year one. So I think I have to put him down a little bit lower, but you guys clearly higher than me at 23 and 24. What are you guys seeing from, from Rui Hachimura that deserved this ranking? I really, really enjoyed watching him play in college. I and one of the biggest things about him is he was still growing his game a lot at that point. You know, he was late to the game in his life, and his English skills have been progressing along with his basketball skills. So mm-hmm. the more he works with coaches, the more he learns about the game. And in the short amount of time he spent in college, we really saw a huge amount of growth. His inside game looks solid. He's got some smooth moves down low in the paint. I think he's an okay cutter. You know, the big question for him is always going to be his outside shot because as a four, um, you're pretty much in this day and age expected to be able to stretch that floor out much further than you used to be in the old days. Even just, you know, five, six, seven years ago, the game was very different. So I like the way that his game looks right now, and I like the way that it looks to progress. The biggest thing for me, though, as of late in the uh, FIBA World Cup qualifiers, he's been showing up and playing out up against some other professional basketball players and he looks really good. And I know these are not top tier guys. This is not, you know, you know, NBA level competition, but anything you throw up against him, he's produced at a high level. So there's no reason for me to penalize him as much or put him as low. I have high expectations because he's going to a situation where, look, beyond Bradley Beal, like mm-hmm. he can be their second leading scorer on this team coming up into the year. And that that's what's exciting. It's opportunity mixed with the fact that he is a positive trend of growth going into this year. Yeah, well, and, and my biggest thing, like I don't want to discount mm-hmm. what Dave's saying with the, the FIBA World Cup stuff. 
uh, that you know he put up 31 against German, Germany recently, and that's fantastic. And for a young player, it's great to see him go out and, and puts you know put an effort out there and, and put up that many points. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. But Ricky, yeah, I, I think you may, you might be on the same page with me. It's like I, I still count this as preseason. I still yeah, count this I, as things that don't count. Like this is still summer league. It's the, not it's not the true NBA. So I can't take what he's doing in the FIBA World Cup too seriously because it isn't you know real NBA basketball. Well, the reason why it's like I'll take it with a grain of salt is only because of how is he going to fit in in the NBA system that he was drafted for. And for me, the thing that I understand why we say it, but I absolutely hate when we say it is, oh, but they haven't proven anything yet. Well, duh, they're rookies. They haven't played an NBA game. I look at it more of where do you see Rui being at the end of the year? And for me, all the guys that I put him above when it comes to Karooks, when it comes to Kelly O, Marvin Williams, B.J. Tucker, Zach Collins, Paul Millsap, and Dario Saric, these are the only guys on this list that I was like, if their team had a somewhat better of an option, they would be replaced. Like, Dario's played in the bench role. You've got Millsap's old. He's probably going to be replaced soon. Zach Collins is a guy who's come off the bench um, in his career. P.J. Tucker, same thing. Fits a well, good, but, good but, role, but, with that, but I mean, has Collins also is, come off the bench, too. Collins is young but because Collins is still young. He was coming mm-hmm. off the bench just because he was a raw player coming out of Gonzaga. Yeah. He was yeah. taken as a freshman and not... He would have been the same age as Rui mm-hmm. right now, but he's had two years in the NBA and he was playing yeah. on a playoff team. And P.J. Tucker, yes, he hasn't had... You know, he's come off the bench in his career, but he has provided so many valuable options for this great Houston Rockets team. And Paul Millsap, yes, you know, he he's not what he used to be, but mm-hmm. he provides defense and leadership to this Denver Nuggets team that was a second seed last year. So and, and even Sarge still a too, decent score too. Yeah. And Sarge has been traded around everywhere, but he started in every single place. He started I mean well, he started in Philadelphia. He started in Minnesota. He's gonna start for Phoenix. He's still been a starter. He did his move to the bench on both of those teams. I'm just saying like he mm-hmm. he's he's the guy who I'm on the fringe route. Like he was always a very good player. You're talking I about Dario? Like, yeah. Oh, but I felt like he was able to abuse second units really well because as a big man with passing skills, like he really could help run that second unit, uh, almost like a secondary ball handler out there for a team. So mm-hmm. he's a guy where like I can see him succeeding more as second unit, but same time as a starter. He's a he's still a solid shooter. You know, he just gets punished a little uh, defensively out there. I just love Rui though. Like, yeah, I, mean, I can't help the fact that I don't. I don't agree with all of the of the rankings you know that each mm-hmm. other have. But like, I look at it, and when it comes to situations to succeed, like I get it. Not having a true point guard and John Wall out there is going to hurt. Well, but at the same time, what are your expectations for Rui? How many times can you come in the league and be, a, be like, look, this team? You can be the second scoring option in your rookie year. Yeah. Well, I'm so, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, what are your expectations for for Rui? I mean, since you do have him at, at 23. For me, I'm not. You guys obviously know I'm not the best with like, hey, here's a stat line. But I mean, I almost look at it to where let's pull up because Triple J and Marvin Bagley. It's actually very interesting how I have them boom, boom, boom right in a row because I almost feel like it could be one where I mean, Triple J last year in his rookie season was what. 13, about five boards a game, one assist. If Rui can come in and put up 13 to 14, maybe 15 on the high end, give you maybe four boards, I'll knock a little bit off there, and have a little bit more than one assist, I think that's a win for this team. But also, like Dave said, do you expect more points? Because he is going to be 
the number two scoring option on this team. And Dave, I know you're pointing to blocks. I know Triple J has more of the defense than Rui does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's why you you still have Triple J above Rui Hachimura. So you're not saying... Uh, Rui's better than, than Triple J. I mean, and I, I don't know if it's for sure that he is the number two scoring option. I mean, it's it's definitely possible, but yeah, I I'm mean, just saying it's open. We saw what Thomas Bryant did as well last year, and he he put up ten points, which I know you're you're saying <laughs> he's putting up fourteen, then obviously that's more than ten. Um, but I, we did <laughs> see Thomas Bryant come on later on in the season, correct? In that role, I, I I could see that being a possibility. I'm just not sure what he can provide consistently. I think that he can have spurts where he is your second scoring option. He is putting up, you know, 25 in a, in a night. But I don't know if he can be consistent enough night yeah. in, night out in an NBA system because I don't think he has this bag of tricks to get to the bucket like I think he is most comfortable doing. I don't think he can create separation uh, between him and a defender to get, you know, shots to fall. If he's wide open, I think he could probably, you know, sink a couple. But if, yep. but if he's not cutting to the basket and going with a full head of steam— I don't know if he can be this guy yet. And, yeah. and, and, you know, he is still very young, 21 years old. He can still grow into that player, but I think he still needs more growth than we're giving him. He is athletic in transition. He's going to be great. Uh, cutting the basket when he's open, I think he's going to be, you know, very dangerous in those situations. But if he's got a guy right in his face guarding him, and, and we talked about how deep this position is, the guys that will be guarding him, uh, like, you know, hell, Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Sabonis, like, those guys are going to give him fits yeah. because those guys are, you know, if not veterans, they are you know equally athletic to him, and, and they are stronger, and, and they do know, you know, they've been playing basketball longer, and they, you know, they know tricks. They know what these guys are trying to do. They know tendencies, mm-hmm. especially, like, if he goes up against an Al Horford. I mean, Al Horford's one of the best defenders yeah, at I mean, this position. He dead-dicked on Joel Embiid last year. Like, yeah. it's just, it's one of those so, things where he's one of the best defenders of bigs in the league. I think Hachimura is going to have a tough time doing that, especially without the lack of a point guard. Yeah. If he had a point guard, it might have been easier. But he, he doesn't have John Wall out there. So I, I don't know if this is going to be the year for Hachimura. And I'd at least like to you know have him prove it before I'm putting him over guys like P.J. Tucker, who is so valuable to this Houston Rockets team. Or, you know, uh, you know Zach Collins, who hasn't had that opportunity to take that next step, but has been in that Portland system for a long time now. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is going to be his third year. Or, you know, hell, guys like Paul Millsap, who are so crucial to this Denver Nugget team. You know, obviously they're probably going to get rid of him next year because uh, I think he's got a it's team option at that point. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, it's his final year, but he's making $30 million. Yep. Is Paul Millsap worth $30 million? No, but they thought it was a good signing at that point, and I still think it was a good signing because he did bring veteran leadership and defensive yeah. abilities, which is going to hide, you know, Nikola Jokic's probably biggest downside is his defense, um, and, and, and Paul Millsap being out there does help him. So, I mean, all of these guys provide such important pieces to playoff teams, and I think that's why, you know, with Hachimura, he could put up a decent stat line, but even then, what's his impact going to be on the NBA? And I don't think it's going to be that massive where we have to say, all right, this kid can do that in every yeah. single situation. Well, we know Paul Millsap can do this because he's been doing it for you know 15 years now or whatever. Exactly. And the thing I want to, and this is kind of maybe transferring a little out of Rui into someone that you mentioned is like yeah, Zach ahead. Collins. And that's someone that I kind of look at on this is like, I want to say he's a faux power forward, like faux starting power forward on these rankings because of the Nurkic injury. To where, to me, it's he might get the start early on, but it's like this team, A, has Nurkic when he comes back. How are they going to fill that out? Because I don't think 
I mean, maybe they run Whiteside and Nurkic out there at no. the same time, but probably not. But you also have guys like Paul Gasol on this team. They have Scalabissier. They got Nasir Little, who they drafted, where it's like, are they going to rotate a lot at this Are four? you really cutting short my boy and Mario Hazonia? And Mar- well, Mario Hazonia, he'll play more of the three in he, my mind than he the played, four. He had I his know best he success at the, the four, four, and then he had his best success playing point guard. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying. <laughs> so he's going to spell discount. Damian Lillard. He'll play at the four when don't he's not. discount Mario Hazonia. You better watch yourself. <laughs> or as I've compared him in the draft, Luca Light, right? Jesus Remember Christ. Remember Luca Light? But I mean, Zach Collins to me is the one where it's like, all right, we've seen you come off the bench. Now what are you going to do when you have this opportunity to possibly start beginning of the year for the Blazers? Yeah, no, I, he's an interesting case because he is someone who physically needs to build up. We watched him the last couple of years, like you said. He, he's gotten in minutes. He's gotten his fair share. You know, at the end of his rookie year, he got a lot of playing time pushed at him. And then this past year was pretty impressive. But at the same time, just off when, when he gets really good offensive players, they can abuse him because he just mm. didn't have the physical size to body them up and prevent them from getting down to the low post and working their way in closer to the rim. So with Whiteside's addition to this team, and I, I think a lot of people are thinking it's temporary because it's, like you said, till Nurkic gets back. Uh, Paul Gasol is a guy who has an injury, so it's like, how healthy is he going to be able to be? Are we expecting 10 minutes a night out of Gasol? Like, what, what's the expectation? Where should that be at? So I see uh, Zach Collins as a guy who likely is going to end up being like a backup five for them once Yusef... Nurkic returns. And they get rid of Whiteside. And they get yeah, rid of Whiteside. contract's expiring. So that would be my expectation. I think they can roll it out with another wing, either, like you said, with Hazonia or uh, Tolliver, one of those kind of tweener guys to fill mm-hmm. out that roster and uh, make the team more dynamic. But honestly, Collins is him. He looks impressive, but the problem is he still has so much to grow physically mm-hmm. in order to earn the minutes out there. Yeah, offensively he's gifted, and he is in that rough spot where you he should probably be a center, but he's just not, again, physically there yet. Yeah. Um, but offensively, I think he is there. I mean, he, he hit some pretty nice splits and, and playing off of guys who can create like CJ and and like Dame, I think it's going to help him, especially, you know, if, if he is able to take another step um, in his, uh, you know, deep range shooting, yeah. uh, you know, went from 30% to 33% last year. Uh, if he's able to get up to league average, I mean, as a stretch four being seven feet tall, that is, I think, possible. I, I just think that, the biggest thing that I worry with him is, or at least the biggest thing with him is, you know, if he's playing out of position so much, like the difference between him and Hachimura, like Hachimura will probably be playing in his position. He is a three or a four. Mm-hmm. Um, where Collins, we've talked about, is more of a five. Playing out of position, what will that will that hurt him? And, and in what way will it hurt him? Because like we said, he's most likely a five or a backup five. Right. And he's not going to be going up against those guys because you're going to have him either, you know, playing with Nurkic or, or Whiteside. Is it going to hurt him or help him? And I kind of think that you know he can either go the way of a you know a Kevin Love, where Kevin Love was kind of stuck in that same mm-hmm. way throughout his career. Um, but Kevin Love obviously made it work because he was an All Star. Yeah, um, or the, really kind of get stuck. Yeah, the upside for Collins playing the four right now is because he is a little bit lighter, a little bit quicker than a lot of guys. He can go out to the perimeter and defend, mm-hmm. uh, even being seven feet tall. His footwork's solid enough that that's not going to be a big thing. It's just when he gets back down by those bigger bodies, like then you're just you know green light. That, that's the problem. But I love the tenacity he brings. Like, the dude is all effort all the time, which gets him in trouble a bit uh, mm-hmm. a couple of times. I've seen him get benched a handful of times because of um, just he, he gets caught up in the moment, caught up mm-hmm. in the game. So, and, and that's the thing where I feel like that's going to be, I want to say, a little touchy for the Trailblazers is the fact of he's only started one game. Mm-hmm. So it's like 
it's easy for, hey, I'm going to throw you in off the bench. Oh, you're letting the game get away from you. Here, let me come away from you and go with someone else. Yeah. How much is it going to kill a confidence if it's like if you're starting a guy yeah. and that happens at the beginning of the game, a guy who hasn't started many games, like I said, one game, you can't immediately pull him right away. So it's like it's going to be a different kind of way that you're handling him if you're going to start to where it's like, all right, you almost have to play out of that rather than, hey, I'm going to take you out, coach you up, and then put you back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if – I, I think they do have that luxury since they do have some veteran guys like Tolliver and Hazonia, uh, Rodney Hood as well. I mean, mm-hmm. he's mostly going to be at the three, but um, you know, they, they do have options there. I just don't think it's going to kill his confidence just because that's what he's used to. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't think he feels like he's earned that starting job, mainly because he knows Nurkic is out and they had to go out and, and get him, uh, you know, get a, get a, a Nurkic replacement. Same reason they had to get Cantor um, last season. I mean, like, that yeah. was such a huge ad for that team in the playoffs. How clutch was, you know, a hurt freaking Enos Cantor going all out defensively, offensively, giving his heart, playing broken, and... Like I think that showed a lot, and that's that's the kind of like effort that you got to show to Zach and be like, dude, this is this is what you want to mold yourself after, at least on the court, off court shenanigans, no thank you, but on the court, oh, this isn't that bad, really. What? What's wrong with his press this? conferences uh, from New York? You know the fact that he's at war with his own country. Is yeah. it hurting? I mean, hold on. <laughs> we don't. We I, don't I'm know exactly talk what's on going that on with, situation. Yeah, we but... don't know what's going on with. His, he's Turkish, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, we don't really, really know what's going on with. Yeah, with I don't Turkey. know the details. We're not, in, in we're not international relations. But the experts. fact that he's, you know, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think with with Collins, I don't think he feels like he might. I don't know him personally, yeah. um, and I don't know what his statements have been, but. He probably feels like he's fighting for that starting job, and if he doesn't get it, I mean, again, that's what he's been used to for the past three years. So yeah. uh, I, I don't know if it's going to really debilitate him in that way. Uh, let's talk about a guy who definitely doesn't have a starting job in the future, but will have a starting job right now, uh, and also in that young mix as well, Rodion's Karuks, um, for the Brooklyn Nets, clearly not going to have that starting job because there's a guy named Kevin Durant that's going to be back next year. What? Um, what, what's, what's his future outlook, Dave? Um, what are you expecting Rodion's to add to this team this year, or, or and, and obviously throughout his uh, his rookie contract? What, what did you see from him that you liked last year, and, and and how can he help this team? You know, put, make a playoff push again. This guy's basically a Swiss Army knife out there. He can or do a it. Latvian Swiss Army knife. Yeah, you could say that. Is Latvian that... Latvian Army knife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't. I, you can't say Latvian Swiss Army knife because that doesn't make a sense. <laughs> He's Latvian. If you didn't notice. Gold. Um, Horrible. Yeah, no, he, he has good size. He's got good athleticism for his size, which surprises a lot of people. And decent enough footwork. The whole thing with him is, like, he doesn't have to score. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. He's able to kind of fill in the pieces. He can go get you some rebounds. He can do some putback shots. He can move the ball around on the outside. And he can dribble well enough for his size. So I think the thing for him is to understand that, like, given the night, yes, he can go up and score, like, 15, 17 points a night if he has to, but it's not going to come efficiently yet. He's still working on developing that shot. He can get to the rim decently well, though, and for me, it comes down to how well can he find out what his role will be on this new evolving offense for Brooklyn. You know, you're going to see a lot of heavy ISO with Kyrie Irving out there, and Karis LeVert would be my guess. So he's got to be, you know, someone who can go out and defend uh, really good wings. He's got to be someone who can get, you know, a couple of good-looking shots that are hopefully going to be wide-ish open because who's going to focus on who are people going to focus on more you know i can see some help defense slinking off of him mm-hmm. and trying to you know build up the lane to stop Kyrie from driving hold up karis at that mid-range pull-up shot so 
I really expect him to just kind of fill in all the nice cracks on this team. Like his ideal situation is continue developing the shot and you just become this great defensive stopper and you can get rebounds. You know, you kind of mold your game after PJ Tucker would be nice because you've got better size. You've got really good length. And I really expect him to just keep growing his game. I think he's a solid uh, power forward. He's definitely a bench player, like small forward power forward. But because of the situation last year, he got the ability to start. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a huge upgrade over Rondes Hollis Jefferson. And I think the team just liked that boost of energy that he gave them. Yeah. uh, And and Ricky, you know, moving away from Rodion. So a guy that Mm -hmm. Ricky, uh, Dave compared him to was PJ Tucker. Uh, You had him ranked uh, 27th. But you kind of talk about the Swiss Army knife ability. Um, You know, he's a guy that could play at the five, the four, the three. Uh, PJ Tucker's been around forever. With the apps or the leaving of you know Chris Paul, the addition of Russell Westbrook, um, how important do you think you know PJ Tucker will be to this this Houston Rockets team? Because you look at the way that this team's set up now, it's really Russ, James Harden, Clint Capella. Mm-hmm. You need to have that fourth guy. He is their glue guy. I mean, do you think they could be a team that's pushing for an NBA championship with him as their fourth best player? Well, I'm going to say no only because you want to count Eric Gordon. I'm only going to say no to the pushing for a championship, but it has nothing to do with PJ Tucker. I just don't think the combination of Harden and Bestbrook are going to win a championship for Houston. I think PJ Tucker to me, when he shows his like greatest worth is in playoff time. And he's a guy where I know he started 82 games last year, but he to me is a guy where it's like, what is he going to do for you in the playoffs? Like you come up, like you say, he came up with big moments. What was it, two years ago when he came up with those big moments to keep them alive in a series? And it's like most of us were like, wait, who the hell? What, P.J. Tucker? Like, why is P.J. Tucker like going off like this in a playoff game? And like that to me is where he's going to earn his dough is Westbrook, Harden, maybe with Gordon being the third, they're going to get you to where you need to be. It's in those playoff series and who you get matched up against. Can P.J. Tucker be a guy that gives you scoring, let's say, if a James Harden falls off a game, if Westbrook can't hit the broadside of a barn in a playoff game? Can P.J. Tucker be the guy that's like, okay, in this game, Westbrook don't got it? I got it. I'm going to help be the life reserver for this team in this game because it could happen. Like Even Eric Gordon could be like, hey, I didn't have a good game this time, but hey, P.J. showed up and we won the game. Be the what? The life preserver. Oh, okay. You know, like you're, I heard you're life preserver, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know if you just don't know the word. Um, no, yeah. I I don't know if he's ever going to give you the scoring to, to help this team. I think they're more luck, more likely to fall on to like Gerald Green goes wicked hot again and just drops <laughs> you know like twenty five off the bench because he just starts stroking threes left and right. Same with Austin Rivers. Like those are the kind of guys who are like that. That's where your spark plug comes from. I think PJ Tucker is just. He does all the right things. He does all the smart things. He's veteran. He's savvy. He's hitting his prime in his 30s. You know, it's it's kind of awesome how he's evolved this game over time. And like you said about coming up big in the playoffs, if you look at his shooting splits during the playoffs the last two years, uh, he was shooting 46% from three in 2017-18 and 45% from three in 18-19 on four and five attempts, respectively. Like, that is not anything to sneeze at. He is impressive from three and again those shots we know the quality of looks he's getting because you Mm -hmm. have james harden out there creating so much havoc drawing so much tension from teams so he's someone you can rely on to make the smart play on offense 
and be able to take on whoever you point at defensively. Mm-hmm. Like, you need him to guard a one? Sure. Need him to guard a five? Sure. That's what he'll do. Like, he doesn't shrug. He doesn't argue about it. He just does it because he's yep. a professional. And that's there's something to respect out of that. You guys know what PJ stands for? I don't, actually. Paul Joseph. Want to take I guess. I, I guess it stands for PJ. Like, his actual name is PJ. His real name is Anthony Leon. What? Tucker. It stands for Pops Jr. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I don't know what it means, but fuck. It's what my spell reference is. The perfect example, though, I will say is, like, look back last year to what game was it in the playoffs. It was, I want to say game four. Yeah, game four of the Warriors Rocket Series where it was like, so the third option, Chris Paul, and I know we were like, oh, he's fallen off a bit in just this series, but, like, Chris Paul only had 13 points. It's like, okay, Gordon and Harden got theirs, 38 and 20. But P.J. Tucker, with 17 points starting in that game, like, if he didn't give them those 17, they don't win that game for 112 to 108. And they go down 3-1 instead of tying up that series 2-2. All right, before we go super long on this, I think we have to touch on one more guy. Um, Well, I'll give you guys guys a guy each, all right? So uh, we'll we'll, we'll talk about some of the uh, lineup configuration and how it kind of screwed a team. Um, we'll, t- we'll go to Rocco because you mentioned it in the opening, Dave, uh, when you're giving your stuff. Um, well, let's talk about Rocco. Uh, yeah. you, you you think he should have been higher? Uh, you, you thought you should have <laughs> ranked himself high, higher himself higher uh, in your own rankings. Um, what, what does Rocco add, and and why do you think he'd be better at the three? I mean, he's been primarily the best wing. He was one of the best wing defenders for the last three years. The problem is his team doesn't really have a well-rounded lineup. He has to be out there for spacing purposes alone. Um, but because of that, they also don't have an interior defender with uh cat at the five. So it's really a troubled balancing act that the Timberwolves have to perform this year, trying to find the right lineup, whether it is sliding him over to the three and benching, um, their rookie in, I can't remember his name already. Wow. What's up? Culver. Culver. Yeah. Jared Culver. Naz Reed. Um, yeah. And bringing in Naz Reed to be that defensive stopper that no one knows. Oh, I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry. But Goat. yeah, I, I think it just comes down to the fact that as a three and D player, like he brings exactly what you want to. He was a very good shooter. He's a very good defender on ball, off ball. He can do a little bit of everything for you on that end to the court. And he talks, which is one of the biggest things, because when you're awful as a defensive team, it's crickets out there. And it's embarrassing because it's it's demoralizing while the teams can get easy buckets on you. He's one of those guys who is vocal on that end of the court. And when he came over to the Timberwolves, you saw the impact. They started winning games, and it was really, really a nice impact. Shut I out. actually got some questions for you guys when it comes to Rocco, and I'm glad you brought him up. So found an article from Dunking with Wolves on the um, fan-sided side of things, and they had four bold predictions for Rocco coming into the season. I'm going to throw three of them out at you because one of them is start 40 games at, point, or at power forward, which if he's the power forward, I'm assuming is going to happen. Let me throw the other three out at you, and you two are going to answer whether you think it does have this bold prediction does happen or does not. The first that Rocco will shoot forty percent from beyond the arc. He was at thirty-seven point two last year. No, they don't have enough. They don't have a good enough point guard. I'm going to say yes. I think I think he's going to be able to do it because at the end of the year, when they were just like, just give Cat the ball, like (laughs) everybody else's percentages went up. So I'm going to hope that they're going to continue playing that game and not letting Jeff Teague decide that he's the best shooter on the floor. I think he was above 40% one time in, in his career, so, I mean, it wouldn't be crazy if he I did. I think it was I'll 39 just, and then... Uh, I'll just say no. 
He I mean, was, started off that one year was like he was shooting like fifty percent from three. <laughs> the actually in Philly before he was traded, he was at thirty nine. Okay. Yeah. And I think that year he it was, was at like year. fifty to yeah. start start off. Yeah, he was he year. was fire for the first month of the season. Yeah, he was like the best three point shooter. It's incredible. And like even he was like, I don't know how it's happening. I'm just <laughs> gonna keep shooting though. So oh man. The next one is that he will lead the NBA in total steals. Yeah, I'll take it. He was the only player last year in uh, that was top ten in both steals and blocks. Dude can do no. it. I'm gonna say no. He's not gonna lead the league in steals. And then the very last one is that he will be all defensive first team. <laughs> mm. So this is a tough one because there's a lot of really good guys out there, and I can't see him jumping ahead of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So and Anthony Davis and, is coming back if he's yeah. healthy. No, I'm gonna say no. I think he's gonna be very good, but I think he's gonna be. I think he would be an imaginary second. Well, team. and what they only have two forwards, right? Or do they count centers? Is, uh, it, is center its own position? Last year's first team was Rudy Gobert, Paul George, yeah. Giannis, Marcus Smart. Yeah, no, and basically Eric Rudy Gobert out. gets the notch last three years. So. He's not gonna. He's not gonna knock out Giannis yeah. or Kawhi or AD. So yeah. I'll take I'll second take, team. I'll say no. Yeah. I totally forgot. I had to cock my head back because I'm like Kawhi was a second team. Yeah, all defensive. Like, I get it. Yeah. just seeing yeah. Kawhi on the second team and not the first team makes you just yeah cock yeah. your head back. Like what? What's going on here? Final guy we got to bring up, and Ricky, I'll go to you first. You mm-hmm. get you, you ranked him too low to start, but you 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 made it up for yourself, Marvin Bagley. Um, what do you expect from this kid? Why'd you have him so low in the beginning? I mean, for me, I just want to see more of consistency, and I also want to see. I'm curious to see how he meshes with the Luke Walton system with uh, the Sacramento Kings, where I, ever since he was in L.A., I was a Luke Walton guy, although the record didn't kind of uh, go in that favor, and that's why he ultimately got the push along with other things also. Yeah, the assault allegations didn't help either. I just want to see with Bagley consistency and more of what Dave said before the podcast is, oh, is it like Bagley where he dunks real good? Where it's like... He does dunk really good, He dunks really good, but it's like, can, can I see... An extra part of the game this year. Can you? I know he shot about one and a half, averaged one and a half, three point attempts a game. Do you either up that percentage and go in a Blake Griffin light? Do you up your defense, maybe have more steals this year? Do you pass the ball a little bit more and have more than just one assist a game? Like, that's what I want to see from Bagley, where it's like, are you just going to be somebody who dunks real good? Or are you going to start to show us, like, oh, Maybe you do have some tools that make you a more complete player. The biggest thing that I kind of want to see from him, and, and you're not wrong, you obviously want to see those percentages rise. And, and I mean, he's, he's a fairly decent shooter. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be. I think at best he'll probably be league average you know, in, in his best shooting years. Um, yeah. I don't think he's going to be a lights-out three-point shooter in, in his career. Um, you want to see his free-throw percentages go up as well because you're obviously doing so much damage down low. When you're getting mm-hmm. fouled, you want to make those count. Um, so th- that stuff, I think, is natural progression, though. Um, one thing I was kind of shocked, though, last year was that he wasn't as good as a rebounder as we kind of assumed he was. We talked about this can't-quit motor was coming yeah. in. He only grabbed about seven and a half boards a game. It's, I mean, it's not much. I mean, I think Luca really? was around that, wasn't but, he? No, I, I'm saying, see, you're knocking on the seven and a half rebounds a game. He was only playing 25 minutes. Yeah, but even 36 minutes, it's about 10 boards. Yeah, that's... I mean, but I, I, I look at that, and I think... I like the offensive rebound numbers, for sure. Yeah. Two and a half, that's nice. <laughs> but you'd, you'd assume it'd be higher, I, I think. I mean, I think we, we thought of this kid. We thought of him coming in as like a you know a 15-10 guy yeah. for sure. 
Yeah. And I mean, they you, were you had Willie Cauley Stein. You had, you had a lot of guys that can grab vulture boards off of him. Yeah. But I, I thought he was going to be a you know a, a better rebounder than that. And you, you're you're right. He you know, didn't play a ton of minutes last year, but. Um, I, I just thought that that would be higher, I guess. I don't know. You I just thought it would be it. like where we saw DeAndre Ayton, where Ayton was 16 and 10 last year. Um, came to yeah, I, 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 going in, I thought Bagley was a better rebounder than Ayton. Mm-hmm. Ayton's obviously bigger. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we talked about that can't quit motor. I mean, yeah. They, they I, I'm not saying he's rebounds. a bad rebounder yeah. at all, dude. I'm just saying, like, I, I, yeah. I was kind of shocked when I saw seven and a half, which I mean, I think was Luca territory. Luca was 7.8. <sighs> yeah, there you God. go. Yeah, but Luke also played what thirty-two minutes a game. Yeah, so he played seven more minutes a game than him. Dave, I'm just (laughs) saying I thought the number would be high. Long shots mean long rebounds, and you have De'Aaron Fox, who Mm -hmm. rapidly became a great three-point shooter. You have the Wooden Award winner put some respect on it, Buddy Buddy Hield, one of the best three-point shooters. You know, big like Clay shoots like stuff. I'm just saying I could (laughs) name for day on this man, but but he is one of the best shooters in the NBA. But even then, he's the best one of the best shooters in the NBA. There's no rebounds to grab because he's making all of them. He made he makes a lot of them. Uh, There you go, there you go. But But, throwing back the minutes thing in your. But when you look at the breakdown (laughs) rebounds, like Willie Collins Stein was at 8.4, then Bagley at 7.6, and then you had uh, Belly, you had Barnes, you had Buddy, and you had Costa Kufis. Like. Their team, it, you, you see, when you have smaller guys get boards that quickly, like, yeah, they're, they're going long. The big thing for me was just Bagley was able to abuse second teams because there's not a center, there's not a second team center, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, bench center in the league who can really compete against his offensive skill set defensively. So the the speed with at which he attacks the basket in the fast break is incredible. He and De'Aaron Fox had some amazing moments. And I think this year, him inserting, inserting him into that starting lap is going to create opportunities for him that he didn't previously had. But he's going to need to work his ass off because defensively, he definitely has a lot to grow. The big thing is when it comes down to that balanced lineup, you know, and how is he going to play with a true center alongside him in Dwayne Dedman? We're going to have to see how that goes. But with Dedman being able to stretch out to the three-point line, I'm hopeful at best for what he can show us. I think he absolutely is a monster and we saw stretches last year where he was able to pop off for 20 points a game, multiple games in a row, and he has the talent to do that consistently. So I think he's one of those guys who is in John Collins' territory, and it's just he's just a little bit more to show us before we put him higher, where well, John Collins is. That's at. why I'm excited to see what he can do with the Luke Walton system, because I wonder if Luke's going to do that same thing he tried to do with the Lakers, where it's like, hey, let's go in transition, let's run a little bit, yeah. and will we see Bagley and Fox kind of working like you just said? Yeah. No, it, it's it, Honestly, like we've been on the Kings like almost their bandwagon the for like three years, and they're Eventually just a super it's exciting come team. Eventually it's going to come up Millhouse, right? Well, yeah, they just <laughs> choked at the end of last year, but that's fine. That's fine, because this year it's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Um, yeah, they're they're definitely interesting, and, and you know maybe Willie Collins nine leaving him would, would bump up those board numbers. And obviously, you talked about Deadman, uh, so yeah. which, which might not affect it at all. But I don't because know. he'll be hopefully spacing the floor out. So. Maybe maybe if they give him thirty minutes, maybe we'll see higher, higher I expect board numbers. The problem is they kept they added a bunch of fucking veterans. Yeah, like I don't want. Then is not the King segment. Sorry. What if, what if what if they just have him run the entire second unit? It's just one on five basketball. Marvin Bagley versus yes. five guys. Just, I, just do it. I'd love to see. I it. mean, we, Pull a the Kings section. the Kings just tried to roll out what was it like a three center lineup during summer league last mm-hmm. year or four mm-hmm. centers and like just fucking do it. Just do it. Boom. All right, that's gonna do it for twenty one through thirty. Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. 
who do we have too high? Who do we have too low? What are your thoughts on Rui Hachimura? That seemed to be a, a big uh, a big conversation yeah. point this, this segment. So let us know down in the comments below what you think about that. But let's move in 11 through 20 in our powered forward rankings. You're probably coming to this because of the man in the thumbnail, which is Zion Williamson. So, Ricky, let's not keep him waiting. All right. And let's give our rankings 11 through 20. You start it off. Well, you're going to have to wait to hear Zion's name with my rankings because he's in the top 10. Spoiler. Ooh. But starting out at number 20, he, we talked about him in the last segment, but for me, he's the only one that made the top 20 is Rocco of the T-Wolves. Then at 19, Jason Tatum. Then at 18, K-Love. 17, Aaron Gordon. 16, Al Horford. 15, John Collins. 14, Boyan Bogdanovich. Number 13, Dillo Gallinari. Number 12, DeMontis Sabonmi. And then at number 11, Draymond Green. Did you yeah. say Danilo? Danilo. <laughs> he, he did not say Danilo. You did not say that end. <laughs> Dave, give us Danilo. Your, <laughs> give us your At number 20. 20, I've got DeMontis Sabonis. At number 19, it's Aaron Gordon. At 18, it's Jaron Jackson Jr. At 17, Danilo Gallinari. 16, Jason Tatum. 15, John Collins. 14, Kevin Love. 13, Al Horford. 12, Zion Williamson, and at 11, it's Draymond Green. All right, my 11 through 20. At 20, Robert Covington. At 19, Marvin Bagley. At 18, Aaron Gordon. At 17, John Collins. At 16, Jaron Jackson Jr. plays defense. Uh, 15, <laughs> Tomasa Sabonis. 14, uh, Jason Tatum. At 13, Zion Williamson. At 12, Al Horford. And at 11, Julius Randle. And for our cumulative ratings, that brings us to at 20, Jaron Jackson Jr. for the Memphis Drizzlies. Um, Nice. How the hell did he end up at 20? Did we do math wrong? Oh, Ricky, you had him at nine. Okay, that's where it was. I just trying to think about it in my head because Dave and I had him high, and then I I realized Mm -hmm. you had him all all the way down there. Uh, Then at 19, we have Aaron Gordon. Then at 18, we have Danilo Gallinari. And at 17, we have Kevin Love. Kevin Love, Danilo Gallinari, and Aaron Gordon all tied for 39 points. Points, So you could really flip those guys in any single way. We we think they're pretty much equal. At 16, we have Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. At 15, we have John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks. At 14, we have DeMontis Sabonis. At 13, we have Al Horford of the Philadelphia 76ers. And at 12, we have Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors. And at 11, we have a guy who's way too high, Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans. Easy too high, though? Easy? Well, that's where we're starting. And absolutely, Ricky, he has not played an NBA game. Al Horford is an NBA All-Star. Draymond Green is a three-time NBA champion and a defensive player of the year. Zion Williamson has not laced up the sneakers to play an NBA game yet. He is absolutely way too fucking high. If you want to put him above Jason Tatum, that's fine. I get it. People want to shit on Jason Tatum. And I understand that, you know, he had a worse season than his rookie year. I get it. If you want to put him above Devonta Simonis, that makes sense. Zion has a more well-rounded offensive game than Sabonis, and they probably play similar defense, so I understand that. And Zion's athleticism is better than Demonte Sabonis. Jaron Jackson Jr., sure, he might be on a worse team, and, and we see the you know, great guards that they have, J.J. Redick, Drew Holiday, and Lonzo Ball to feed Zion Williams in the ball. It might be easier for Zion to feast than it is Jaron Jackson Jr. John Collins can't play defense, so I totally understand that if you're just looking at those two guys, Zion's got that offensive game, so is John Collins. Zion plays better defense. Boom. Marvin Bagley, we already talked about his lack of ability to rebound. He's kind of very slim. They don't have a lot of veterans. He might even get a playing time. And if he's not getting that playing time, all right, you might not put him above him. Aaron Gordon's a guy that, you know, is a, a three that plays a four or a four that plays a three. He's not a guy that's well-rounded. But Jesus Christ, 
Al Horford is a goddamn all-star. He's going to be playing on probably the best team in the Eastern Conference. And Draymond Green is Draymond Green. He is the guy that made this whole shit up. The reason that we have these many fucking threes playing fours and these fives playing fours is because of Draymond Green. This guy is a complete... I mean, he, he changed basketball mm-hmm. for the way that he played defense at the four. He is one of the best defenders, and I get it. He can't shoot. But outside of that, he does everything for the Golden State Warriors. And this Golden State Warriors team has been the best team for the past five years in the NBA. So, yes, it is ridiculous to put Draymond Green or Zion Williamson in the top ten. He has not put a fucking floor on an NBA court yet. <laughs> is so, a floor on an NBA court I'm, yet? I've just, I've just got one thing to I say. I go on a rant and I fuck it up. And right Zion. There. Go Bears. Zion will agree with this because me and Zion were on the same wavelength here. So to everything you just said, like, oh, these guys are all stars and they've paved their way and they're this and they're that. And it just turned into that after a while. Here's my response. And me thinking as Zion, talking as Zion is you're strong. But with the snap of my finger, you'd cease to exist. And that's what's going to happen this year. Xanos is going to come in. He's gonna snap all these guys away. We're gonna we're gonna see him play. What Dave and I saw at Summer League, and I know what you're thinking, Ricky, it was Summer League. But seeing his dominance in the little bit that we saw at Summer League, he's gonna come in, he's gonna light the world on fire, set the league ablaze to where people are like, we are crowning the next best thing, the next greatest player. What do you play fifteen league. minutes before he got injured? Well, no, he didn't. Oh, so, oh no, 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 no. He just was, banged a knee and then he got injured. No, and he was, couldn't play. It and was, that's going to be the story. He's going to play 50 games. No, oh it God. was the Pelicans being safe with him. Could he have played? Probably. But the Pelicans were like, hey, we're not going to be stupid here. You don't have to play this game, this meaningless summer league game. But what we did see in that time gave me enough evidence that he is going to be great, even with the NBA All-Stars so that you list off. up on Kevin. What do you fucking do? He that stole like candy from in a baby small forwards. in front of us. It was incredible. He literally ripped the ball out of Kevin Knox's <laughs> little baby arms and just dunked in his face. And the, the, the shock and awe on his face of like, what is happening to me? Like, he was so confused. It was a moment that I will never forget in my life. Unfortunately. Yeah, give us some actual takes here. Zion so also weighed like me plus you plus you together <laughs> going into summer league. Like, that man was out of shape. Not conditioned at all, and just looked like he was huffing it. You know, hands on his hips, like at the first free throw, like, it was bad. So the guy's got a condition. He's got time, thankfully. He's got a little bit of time. He can get his cardio back up to where it needs to be. But like, it was like Charles Barkley round mound to rebound kind of. That was it was getting a little sketchy, mm-hmm. a little sketchy during that summer league session. Um, can he be amazing? Yes. Will he be amazing? I sure hope so. I hope everything is like up to Bill. And like he, here's the thing. He has a skill set to be Draymond Green with an offensive game. 100%. And The and big thing is, will he be in a position to do that this year on that exciting Pelicans team with as much potential as any other team in the league can have because you have basically the entire, you know, Lakers, you know, last three draft classes uh, minus Kuzma and Drew Holiday, which is awesome, and Jackson Hayes, who looked like a GD monster who just murdered mm-hmm. someone on the Bulls during a game Still in summer, summer league. league. Uh, still summer league. Still. That man had a family. Though. It was amazing. Um, and that's the reason. Like, just talking about Zion, you get excited. And there hasn't been a player like that for years. And I understand why Ricky has him so highly rated because 
you want to overlook the flaws in his game yeah. because of the impact plays. You know, I, in very various occasions, I've talked about how like two points doesn't mean two points at the end of the day. Not all not all shots are equal. Like when Zion j- just yams it on someone, like that's a game changer. That gets the entire team up. That gets the entire arena up. When he blocks someone taking a three because he took off in the paint to swat their shot away. Like, your mind just explodes. Like, that's the kind of impact that Zion Williamson has on the game. And I'm, I've am i got him at 12 here, mm-hmm. and I'm just shaking my hands being like, I understand Al Horford <laughs> is Al Horford, exactly what you said. He's been one of the best defenders in the NBA for God knows how long. He's a consistent player. He's a great passer from the low post. He can run the high pick and roll and even pass out of there. He can score from anywhere on the court. And I'm like... But Zion Williamson. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I get it. And here, I'll get out of Skip Bayless mode because that was a complete Skip Bayless I, rant right there. <laughs> um, and, and Ricky was doing his best Stephen A. And I appreciate coming up for it, Ricky. Yeah, I, love, I love a battle. I, I just look it back to last year, yeah. right? Last year, my my guy coming out of the, the, the draft was Luka Doncic, right? This guy had professional experience. He was absolutely tailor-made for the NBA. Could step in, and I put him at 15. Yep. Right? I, I put him at a reasonable. He's expert. the most pro ready player we've ever seen, and now he's at three. Right? I I, I like when guys needed to prove themselves. All yeah. right, and Zion hasn't proven himself. Where Draymond Green has, El Horford has, and I think the question marks can be you know brought up about his conditioning. Can he shoot from the outside? And if he's going up against these high level guys, like if he's going up against Marvin Williams, yeah, he's going to drop thirty. Like he's that fucking good. That's yeah. why he is as high as I have him. Yeah. Uh, where I, I, I'm going to make sure I, I get this right because I have to sc- scroll over. Uh, I have him still at 13. That's above Jason Tatum. Like this was Jason Tatum was supposed to be God's given gift uh, after his rookie year. Well, he's still only seven years old. Wait until he gets his prime. <laughs> I know, but like it, when when Zion's going up against you know tailor made real NBA players, yeah. Yeah. what can he actually do? If he's going up against an Anthony Davis, he's going up against Kawhi Leonard. If he's going up against a, a Giannis the best Atta of the Kupo, best. how like, is he going to hold his own? Exactly, and and I, I don't know if he he's there yet because of his conditioning, because of his lack of an outside shot. We look at the guys that are able to beat those guys, and it's guys that are on that level. It's just those guys. It's yeah. the LeBron Jameses. It's the Paul Georges. It's the Jimmy Butlers. Like it, it's, it's the Giannis Antetokounmpo yeah. beating Kawhi Leonard's. Those are the guys that can beat those players, and we don't know if Zion's there yet. And I don't. I think those should be in in, in territories that should be untouched. Right, I don't think they should be put in the same range as as Lamarcus Aldridge, who's been a multiple time All Star. Because you know Lamarcus has gone out and proven it every single year for the past you know what fourteen years now. I think he was drafted in two thousand five. I mean, this, these guys have come out there and, and, and put their work in, and I think Zion needs to do that. And, and I'm not saying that this kid's not talented for sure; he's definitely not. But let's see what he does before he puts on what he can do before he puts on an NBA jersey before we put him in the top ten, right? So here's something I and I thought about this coming into this about Zion because of where I was going to have him. Obviously, top ten. Not going to spoil where. I want to do a little a little experiment of when LeBron came into the league. He got drafted in 2003. It was the 0304 season, and obviously we weren't doing the podcast back then. Obviously, but. Let's say we were, and we were doing those rankings, and LeBron's coming in. I'm going to throw out some small forward names, and you tell me. Just tell me who would you have above, who would you have higher? The name I'm going to say, or a LeBron James who has not played a, not even a college game, hasn't played Mm -hmm. an NBA game. The first one, the guy who that 2003-04 season 
was the most points per game of a small forward, somebody drafted in the same class as LeBron, Carmelo Anthony, who played college. Would you put Anthony or LeBron James higher coming into that 03-04 season? If so we're they're, doing, they're rookie years. Yes. So obviously, coming into the rookie LeBron, because LeBron was picked first. Okay. LeBron was the best best prospect since I mean anybody. Really. Yeah, I'm He's assuming the chosen one. I'm assuming you're the same, Dave. No, I'm gonna take Mello. Okay. I mean, hoodie Mello, you just can't go wrong there. <laughs> it's even hoodie Mello. I know. I'm being what sarcastic about, because it's a dumb fucking question. What about Richard Jefferson, who was starting 82 games for the New Jersey Nets that year? We also have Latrell Sprewell. Okay, You've got guys but, like okay, but Ricky, Bruce here, Brown gonna, and Peja Stoyakovich who actually led the entire I'm, league. I'm going to cut you off there because of none forwards. of those guys are top 10 players and we're not top 10 players at that time. Where Paul George or where Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, these are guys that are MVP type and players. I just, Peja Stoyakovich, as much as I love him, was not an MVP player. Bruce Brown was the fourth best player on the San Antonio Spurs. And back that's then. a good like that's a good argument. The part of like, and we'd have to go back and see how stacked was that small forward class or starters mm-hmm. compared to what we got because we've already talked about how this. Power forwards rankings of the, the thirty is stacked. Best position, not even close. I just with Zion, I think he is the one absolute. If you're going to take one player that the rookie kind of oh hasn't shown me anything, can just be demolished with, it is Zion because of what like we don't know we no, don't know was, what to expect from him this year. I honestly we don't do know not know what him. to expect. I, I, from but him. I disagree with that. It's Luca. If you have to throw everything out, it's Luca because he played up against professional players. He played up against those guys. I mean, Zion was way more athletic than everybody else. And and Zion still might be more athletic mm-hmm. than these guys, but the gap is much more closer than it was. I mean, you, it's much more closer than it was in college. So it's going to be harder for him to do those things. It's going to be harder for him to be how efficient he was. I think he had like a true shooting percentage of 70 in college. Like, it, it wasn't even fair what he was doing in college next to those guys. And not even all those guys were, you know, are in the NBA right now. These guys have honed their crafts and become, you know, guys that have played so many games and put effort and have seen every single player from LeBron James to Kawhi Leonard to Paul George go out there and put their best effort against them. Like, these guys are veterans. They're mm-hmm. hardened. They've been seasoned. These guys know how to slow down a, a hot shot young kid. And, yes, he is very unique. And, yes, Zion's going to beat them every now and then. Without a doubt, he's 6'7". He's a fucking bowling ball out there. Jesus Christ. But... I don't think you can give him that high of a ranking yet because he's not, even if you want to compare him to LeBron James, he's the best since LeBron James, and he's not even better than LeBron James. LeBron was a better prospect than Zion was, and you're not debating that. Mm -hmm. So you already have to temper the expectations down from what that was. And LeBron, I mean, LeBron wasn't the best player his rookie year. He wasn't the best player in the NBA his rookie year. Like, he still wasn't the guy. He almost put up 20. Like, he had a fantastic year, and we could obviously tell that this kid was absolutely legit. He's he's in the same company as, you know, the elite Tyreek Evans and uh, Luka Doncic. Yeah. You know? I think Jordan, too. Probably, yeah, that's probably that one more. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, those guys had to go out and, and prove themselves. And, and LeBron clearly went out and proved himself. And, and I think all that's we're asking for Zion. Because what if he isn't conditioned enough to do it every single night? What if they overuse him and he and he's, has to take games off? What if he does bang a knee and, and yeah, we so just seriously, see the like, way that man flies through the air and lands? Like, 
I'm sorry. You need per, like shock absorbers on those fucking knees. Like he's gonna be and wearing braces. You also and you need know, like steel toed shoes that he doesn't rip out of. Him. <laughs> That's it. And you That's know it. I love to bet, right? You know I love to make mm-hmm. stupid bets. Oh, well, Le- LeBron's not going to L.A. You you, well, you said like, that Andrew yes, Lux. Yeah, you said and Andrew Lux is gonna go to the XFL. That's like, why he's retiring. Hundred dollars. Yeah, I'll bet you a hundred dollars because he's fucking not. Like the Colts would sue the shit out of the I XFL. Not, if it I happened. would not be shocked though if it happened. I, I would be absolutely shocked because the NFL will do everything yeah. in their fucking power to not let him go over there. <laughs> if he goes over as like a as as like a guy to work in the front office with his dad, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Smart guy. But I don't think he's playing football again. If he does, the Colts will sue their fucking asses because it's the same opportunity. It's the same sport. There's no reason why he should not be playing it's for the Carson Palmer he was situation, under but I know different podcast. Yeah, different podcast yeah. boys, different podcast. Because he was on the Bengals and was like, fuck it, if you don't trade me, I'll just retire. And then he got Yeah, but he shift. wasn't going to go play for he was going he wasn't going to go play football in a different league. Oh, he was he just, just going to wait retire. it out. He was just going to wait it out and then play with another gentleman. I, 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 but here's back, back to the line. <laughs> here's the hand. Here's the thing. I'm not going to bet that Zion's not going to be top five next mm-hmm. year. I will not make that bet because it's right. a stupid bet. Do you, I make stupid yeah. bets. Right? That is what you do. So, You're known for it. So you painted your face. Can Zion Lost Williamson his car. Lost his car. Can Zion Williamson be in the top five next year? Yeah. Absolutely. But right now, I just feel that he needs to prove it before. He is in that in in that era in that breath of MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, you know this god uh, the, of a basketball basically player. Basically, he was the Kawhi Leonard. We're waiting for the next guy was Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. Yeah, and and Kawhi Leonard, the guy who just won Toronto their first championship. Yeah, like I mean, I'm not gonna put him in that. How high do you think there. you're rating him next year or ranking him next year? Um, I think he's above. I think he's top ten next year. There's a chance he'll be top ten. Yeah. My question is, how he's healthy? There's how crazy? Yeah. How how good uh, do you think of a better rookie season than Luka Doncic and Trey Young? We had two amazing performances in the last year. Uh, Trey Young, one of the best floor generals we've seen come out in a decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, easily this this man has court vision like very few people before him. Taking shots from you know mid court and people have to guard him at the logo. Meanwhile, you got Luka Doncic, we talked yep. about already, one of the most pro-ready players in NBA history to hit the league. Trey was eight, and, and Luka was three uh, for their respective positionings. And, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, and if he jumps in the top ten like those guys did, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. Do you like, think he'll have a better rookie year than either one of them, though? Um, I, I forget what I said. I think I, I think I said... I think I said 20 for him. But I think I have to take that down, because I think that was just 20 in general for a rookie. Because um, he's going to be playing with Drew Holiday, he's going to play with JJ Redick, Derek Favors, um, Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram, uh, Lonzo. Yeah, yeah um, I know. I, know. I so, similar. So I, I don't know if he's going to be able to put up twenty, just because there's a lot of mouths to feed. Yep. Um, I would probably say eighteen. There's not that many good rebounders on that team. It's true. Favors, Jackson Hayes, Hayes eh. is not a great rebounder. He's not, he was not known rebounder. for his ability to rebound. So <laughs> there's a chance he can pull down a lot. Eighteen, twelve, and three. Ooh. I mean, he's going to be good. But, that, I mean, also, I mean, is Kristaps not going to put up 18, 12, and 3? Like, mm-hmm. so it's like, where where is he going to be put? I think he's top 10, but I, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, I don't know if he's going to be beating yep. these guys that are, you know, top 6, top 5. I, he might be able to be out, you know, LaMarcus in my mind, but that's also just because LaMarcus is getting older. So I, I think he could probably put up. Eight, 16 to sixteen to eighteen, and then uh, probably like Ricky. Let's let's hear your nine to twelve. I've got to I'm gonna, finish it off. On I'm gonna be Zion. I'm gonna be a little bold, and I'm gonna add blocks and steals in there too. So he's gonna average about twenty points per game, ten rebounds per game. So I'll go more points, less rebounds, 
I'll go maybe as high as like three and a half assists because Ye only had two in college, but he was the main scoring option. And like Sean said, like they've got other guys out there. Um, I think he's also a guy that can average two steals to two blocks a game too. Like I know that's probably Whoa. the ceiling, but like he's going to be a defensive monster for them too as a rookie. Because like you look at DeAndre Ayton, he had what, 16, 10, Zion will have more than an assist, like almost, he was at one point out, he'll have more than that, and he's going to have way more than .9 steals and blocks per game. So, like, that's where to me, I'll go 20, 10, 3, and then 2 steals and blocks per game. So, just for some context, um, a player who game has been compared, or Zion's game has been compared to this guy, and Larry Johnson, his rookie year, he put up 19 points a game, 11 boards, 3.6 3.6 assists, one steal, and just over a half a block a game. And we know that Zion's yeah. uh, ability Very different and NBA affinity. Too. True. Uh, he was also playing 37 minutes a game because, you know, yeah, 1991. Yeah. Um, Zion's affinity for being able to block and find those ways to just get a hand up and jump, you know, four feet in the mm-hmm. air out of nowhere. I expect him to have a little bit more defensive productivity than Larry Johnson, but 19, 11, and three and a half is not far off from what I, you know, either what either of the things that you guys said. Yeah. And I think that's about I, the right expectation to have for someone like Zion this I think year. two steals and two blocks a game is per, too that, much. I agree. That's, that, um, that's Eskalon. Because even... Defensive player of the year numbers. Yeah, even the guy that we were talking about, Rocco, like, Rocco wasn't doing that stuff. Yeah. And Rocco was literally the only player top 10 in, in both steals and blocks. Yep. Um, can he get a steal a game and, you know, like... I can submit, like, 1.1 1. 1 1 and 1.4. 1. Yeah, 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 For sure. Yeah. But I, I don't two, think Two be, would be insane. Yeah, that'd be insane. That'd be... Yeah. Um, but, I mean, hey, we'll, we'll definitely have to see what happens. Um... I mean, this has been a 20-minute segment on Zion, mm-hmm. so let's let's move away from it. Obviously, let us know your thoughts on Zion uh, down in the comments below. Um, do we want to go young or do we want to go older? I want to go with Draymond. You want to go with Draymond? Because he is one, to me, where coming in, I kind of felt bad having him at 11 because it's like, I like Draymond. I think he's a good player. You look at his stats last year and you almost be like, yeah, well, Kevin Durant was on that team. And without Clay being there this year or for most of this year, what's your expectation with Draymond? Because if he goes back to old Draymond, it was like he was a top 10 power forward in our rankings. It's like number four or five. But, but it was almost hard to rank him in my – because I wanted to put him in the top 10, but I almost couldn't put him in the well, top yeah, 10. Well, yeah, it's hard to put a power forward who averages like, you know, 10, 11 points a game. Seven uh, points per seven, game. You know, like six rebounds, seven rebounds. But also, you know, like seven or six assists a game Mm -hmm. over a steal a game over a block a game like he is, you know, a very unique skill set on the court. And that allows him to stand out in very different ways, because normally when you look at these, it's just like, well, who scores the most points? Who's the best offensive player? That guy. Draymond changes all of that because he's like. Yeah, F F just scoring. Like I'm gonna do everything for your team. Like, He's the guy who can get the the uh, quadruple double or mm-hmm. no the five by five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like he is. He's the guy who can do it all for your time team. The problem is, is like you said, he didn't have the ability to stand out uh, st- scoring because you had Kevin Durant, one of the most, if not the most, gifted scorer of all time. Like you had him the lowest last year at six. Yeah, I had him the I, highest at two. Yeah. Sean was in the middle at three. Yeah, I still hate him because he kicked a man in the ball several yeah. times. But do you I know hold what, grudges. Do you know what we're seeing? Yep. You know what we're seeing this offseason? What's that? For Draymond Green? What's that? Workout picks. <laughs> He's slim. Yeah. He's slim. Are you we expecting get, We're like... getting slim Draymond. Mm-hmm. Come on. 
What was the biggest thing? Just like thing? we're getting, we had Slim K Love in the past. Now we got Slim Draymond. We, we, we got, got Slim, Slim Dre. Ja Okafor too. <laughs> I mean, shit. If we're saying we're getting Slim Dre, he might be better offensively. Might be quicker out there. Might yep. be up in his defensive game. You know, maybe he won't be able to guard his fives as, as much as he used to. But they got centers now. Yeah. Right? So I mean, maybe he can go guard threes and fours a little bit better. I still think of him as you know one of those elite defenders, and and, yeah, and yes, absolutely. he's. I mean, yes, he's not the greatest shooter, and we understand that his, his offensive numbers have gone down, but he's going to also be relied on more. It's it's him and Steph out there. So I mean, and, and D'Lo, but I mean, ice in the veins. But but from the the team, it's yeah. it's him and it's him and Steph, and yeah. I, I think that we're going to probably see him. I, I don't know if he'll he'll re- you know, revitalize his three point uh, you know shooting. Um, but I, I do think that he'll be more efficient and he'll get more looks and you know God, he, he, might, so. he might go back up to getting ten shots a game where he was up down to six last year um, and he wasn't getting six you know because he's a bad scorer or anything like that it's just because he was playing with Kevin Durant, Clay mm-hmm. Thompson, Steph, Steph Curry. Yeah, who would um, you rather taking the shots? Exactly. So I mean, I, I think that we can still see Draymond you know be efficient offensively, not turn the ball over, yeah. move the ball around efficiently, and, and score some buckets when needed. And I think his def- defense is going to go up because he'll have more stamina. I, I really think that Draymond is going to be. I think he's best used when he's used a lot. Do we expect breakout I think, I think year he, Draymond Green? Uh, not breakout year because I think he's if, at best he's going to go back to where he was. Well, that's what I mean. Like he he's all the way down to like a stat line of like seven points, uh, seven boards, and seven assists, uh, steal and a half, a, and just over a block a game. Like, could you see him gain back to like twenty sixteen? Yeah, those numbers I, from twenty fifteen, sixteen, or sixteen, seventeen, where he's. Got ten points a yeah, game or 16, fourteen 17. points a game. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be back up to fourteen. That's I statistically think, his best career. Best I career think he year. can, but I even don't know then, about nine rebounds. But like he's going to be also thirty eight percent from the three. Yeah. The score, the shooting percentage is not going to be there. I, I'll give you that. Like the, he's definitely fallen off there because of his defensive end and expectations. But I think scoring wise, he's going to be in that twelve to fifteen range. They just need someone to score for them in. Look, they lost Quinn Cook, who I know a lot of people are like, it's your backup point guard, and he wasn't even that good. Like, Quinn Cook just came off the bench and scored for you. Like, he mm-hmm. was someone who actually could shoot, he could run that offense, could pass well enough. And he didn't have the pressure because it's like, oh, I've got stuff. Exactly. So when you lose a, a backup scorer like that, after already losing Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson for this year, like, you need to have someone who can step up and score for you. When you go down that Golden State depth chart, you're like, all right, so D'Lo, Steph, and I guess Draymond's going to score a bunch. Yeah, that's my thought at least. Well, I mean, you you would expect stuff to be near twenty five. Dilo is probably going to be at twenty, and yep, uh, Dre at ten. I'm, Dre I, at I would say like twelve. I, I, 12 that's to what I said. I said twelve to fifteen range okay. is my expectation. I think that I mean, he's probably going to get up. I'm doubling ex- his number, doubling the points from last year is pretty pretty big breakout. I'm excited. And I think people are sleeping on him just because of what he's done with yeah. the Golden State Warriors of the past two years. But also that was with KD, Clay Thompson. He's and been stuff. quiet by by just mouthing off to every single person who will <laughs> can look in his direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's move on uh, just so we can fit in as many guys as possible. Let's let's settle some of these tiebreakers. Uh, one of them was K Love, Danilo, and Eric Gordon. We all had one of them higher than another. Ricky, you had Danilo Gallinari the highest mm-hmm. at 13. Uh, Dave, you had Kevin Love the highest at 14. And I had Aaron Gordon the highest out of those three at 18. Um, make make your quick case quick for, for Kevin Love. Why he should be high, the highest out of those three? Kevin Love's one of the best big scorers in the league. He's volume three point shooting. He's able to still get it done on the inside. He's a great rebounder for a power forward. Still one of the best in the game. And. And he locked down Steph for a ring. I'm just saying. 
What more do you need to do? I love K-Love, right? He went from the fat K-Love days to skinny K-Love days to the blame K-Love days. And now you're in the, <laughs> the blame K-Love days. And now, now you're, you're in the, the K-Love got paid. So now it's like, all now right, you well, trade him. now you got to trade him. Um, I, here, the thing with K-Love, and I, I, I love K-Love too. Don't yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm, you're the lookalike, apparently. Yeah, apparently. I mean, good looking dude. Um, <laughs> K-Love was at 22 for me. He was second ranked. I, I love him, but the biggest thing is just you. You look at what he's been able to do on the court, and it's just he hasn't been healthy. Yeah, he hasn't played seventy games in three uh, in the past three years. He's been under that mark uh, in, for three straight years. And I think another thing too is he's got two young guards that aren't really facilitators, and I don't know what his role is exactly on this team. And I don't think he fits with this Cleveland team. And even if he does. I don't think he will be making an impact for Cleveland. I think he'll be making an impact on a different team. So if we're ranking him as Cleveland's starting power forward, I'm not too high on him because I don't think he's going to fit well. I think he's so, going to get his touches, though. I mean, that's the thing. Like, but but even then, what's his impact? Like, is every, anyone going to be like, wow, look the at the court. year that K-Love's going to have. He's an MB, MVP-type player. No, like, he's I, not going to carry a young team to anything. I, I, I'll i give you that. He's not that K-Love. He, he's not going to bring a team to almost a playoff team. That's my thing. Is I, I just don't he think he'll be— He never could in the West, so I, why would he expect it in the East? I don't think he'll be impactful on Cleveland. That was yeah. one thing that I was looking at these things. It's like, who are the guys that are going to be making the biggest impact for their teams? And that's why Al Horford, who a guy that you know is old and, and, and isn't the same Al Horford that he was, is higher than a guy like K-Love for me because he's going to make an impact for that Philadelphia 76ers team just alone by you know playing next to— Joel Embiid and taking pressure off right, of him. But we're not talking Al Horford. You're no, talking know, about but, uh, Aaron Gordon on but, your side, right? Yeah, but Aaron Gordon, the reason why he's higher is because he's on a playoff team. He's he's going to be producing for that team, the Orlando Magic. He's going to be moving the ball around. One of the best, you know, I mean, one of the better players at this position uh, when it comes to, you know, just strictly assist numbers. Uh, he's a guy that can move the ball around. He, he keeps that offense moving for the Orlando Magic, getting it around the horn, getting it to Isaac, getting it to Vucevic, and scoring himself. I mean, I think that he is going to be a guy that, you know, he isn't anything that's spectacular, but he is a guy that doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He is efficient, and he's able to go out there and help a team win games. And again, he is a effective for a playoff team and that's why when you're comparing him to K-Love who's probably not going to be on a playoff team and Danilo Gallinari who's going to be not on a playoff team as well Aaron Gordon's going to have the biggest impact that's why I have him higher yeah but I don't really when I do these rankings like it doesn't matter if you're a playoff team or not it's we're going player v player and the thing that helps Danilo is not only did he eat on a playoff team last year he's going to eat this year too like he had 19 points I'd be shocked if he was under 21 points, 22 points per game. And the reason why is Chris Paul, Shea, Danilo. Give me another guy who's going to be Steven like, Adams. like Steven Adams, but I don't think Steven Adams <laughs> is going to be a top three scoring option. Like it's going to be Chris Paul, like you said before the podcast, Chris Schroeder? Paul will probably be one. Schroeder in the second unit will be interesting. Hamadou also in the second unit will be interesting. Um, but it's like this team, A, Sean's right. Not going to be playing for much at all. No. So it's just going to be like Danilo's going to be jacking up shots, and he's going to get his. And it's just going to be what else do we see around him? How much does Chris Paul have? Does Chris Paul get traded? What do we see from Shea? What do we see from the young guys like Baisley, Hamadou? Um, you Tiefer. also have Tifer on this team where it's like, but, you know what? Um I think he's just it, he's just going to eat because he's going to get the opportunities to do so. But Ricky, with that, like I understand the the you know wanting to eat and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But you I mean, eat. when we're talking about who do you want for a playoff run? Says you. Who, 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 who do we want for a playoff run? Like I, I think you have to go Aaron Gordon over Danilo Gallinari because he gives you a more of a two way offense. Mm-hmm. And you look at what they both did in the playoffs. You look at the, you know, Aaron Gordon going up against the Raptors and Gallinari going up against the, the Warriors. 
Aaron Gordon was more efficient, and Aaron Gordon was better defensively. You look at the offensive rating and defensive ratings. Gallinari had an offensive rating of 99 and defensive rating of 121, and shooting splits of 35.1 and 30 percent from uh, the field and from three. And Aaron Gordon was 46.8 and 40 percent from the field and from three, with an offensive rating of 102 and 111. Like, yeah, but none of those guarding them. None of like, those are great. That's, that's the thing: mm-hmm. is the level of competition in those I mean, series were not even. You look at Danilo no, I understand, the but, whole but still, Aaron Gordon going up against the NBA champion. Champions, yeah, still was better than Danilo Gallinari going I mean, up against the arguably NBA the, the NBA champions, champions before. <laughs> yeah, okay, but <laughs> I'm who, sorry. Who, who, who am I more afraid of guarding me? Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, or Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam? And like, I understand. Uh, like, it's it's it's, even. It, it's pretty even. Like, you have I, I would Kawhi Leonard's you. a better defender than Kevin Durant, and we just ranked Pascal Siakam over Draymond Green. So I, might take I understand that Draymond Green's a better like, defender like, than Pascal Siakam, that. but it yeah. wasn't like he was going up against slouches here. Yeah. Like they're both going up against great guys. Aaron Gordon had a better playoff series. But I mean I would rather have him on a playoff team. Also throughout the whole work of last year, like Danilo was shooting what about one more shot from three per game than uh Gordon and he was shooting what forty three percent last year. That's fine. Me, and, like, Gordon, that and Gordon guy. was still more efficient from three in the playoffs when it mattered. He I, was more effective. If I'm if I'm saying who I want for right, a team, I would take Aaron Gordon. And that to me is I'm looking in that case over the entire season. Yeah. I'm not just going to focus in on the playoffs because it, the guy with it an benefits my rating argument. of one twenty five during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Danil Gannar, like he was just money, and that's the thing you have to admit. Like that weird three guard lineup for. Uh, the Clippers worked in his favor. When he came back, he was just like, look, right. I'm just going to stroke it from the outside like nobody's business. But now stroke him going it. to this team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's yep. not the LA Clippers. It's not with the same coach of Doc Rivers. I, I There's I, a drop off like, like considerably. I'm not, like, I'm not saying that you know he's a bad player in any yeah. doubt, but on a playoff team... Like if we're if we're putting, the man like, just to score though like that's that's I would that's rather have him on my bench than my starting lineup. I, I would rather have him. I, I don't think he is that type of player to win me. A, like if he's in my starting five, I don't think I'm winning a, 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 a you know a championship with Daniel Gallinari in my, in my starting lineup. Aaron Gordon, I feel a little bit better. I'm not saying you you automatically become NBA champions, but. I, I do think it gives you a better chance to look out in the playoffs because of his defense. If we're bringing up the championship argument, Dave wins. Yeah. His wins my, chances my man locked down <laughs> the playoffs. I don't want to hear it. All right. Let's move <laughs> to— he was uh, able to play because he wasn't hurt. Let's move to some of these younger guys, too. Uh, we talked a lot about Al Horford, and we talked a lot about, about him just during the offseason. We don't have to mention yeah. too much. Al Horford's Al Horford, and, and him playing next to uh, Joel Embiid is just going to provide defense and the ability for Joel Embiid to get some rest because he can move over to the five. Yep. Al Horford's phenomenal. He's just absolutely solid. But, I mean, there's nothing crazy special with him. He's not going to be you know Defensive Player of the Year like yep. Draymond Green, and he's not going to be you know possibly this unique player like Zion Williamson. So he falls a little bit below no, He's him. like the seventh-best offensive him. option on that starting lineup. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but, it there. But, but with these guys... Demonte Sabonis, who's in his third year, fourth year. Yeah. Um, John Collins, who's in his third year. Uh, Jason Tatum, who's in his third year. And Jaron Jackson Jr., who's in his second year. Which guy's going to have the biggest impact out of these players? It's got to be... See, here's the problem. I want to say it's Jaron Jackson Jr. Because he's on a team which literally has nothing to prove. Like, they're just out there to ball this year. Like, all the J lineup is fantastic. I love mm-hmm. Memphis. And, you know, he had that thigh issue, uh, deep thigh bruise, last year. So I fully expect him to just be a stud this year, having a true, uh, a, a true point team guard. to take. O- no, because well, oh. true point guard, yes, but like you had Mike Conley, you're not really upgrading there. That's fair. You're taking a step back, uh, but you have a team that doesn't have a true scoring option. Like JV is fantastic, and he's a low post sponsor, 
But Jaron Jackson Jr. can stroke from the outside. He has good mid-range. He has a good low post game. He hits all three tiers, and he plays defense. Like He's a guy who should have a breakout year this year, in my mind, because it's him and John Morant out there, and everything else is bonus. You know, Whether it's Jandon Jark, whether you're going to get Josh Jackson, any one of the Jays will mm-hmm. work for me. Hell, even Bruno, who I love so much. Bruno. Drayson Jalen. Yeah, Jer- dirty player in Drayson Jalen. Jay Drowder. Yep. Who we forgot, apparently, for the small forwards. No, I didn't forget him. I chose to ignore him because he John- shot like booty in the playoffs. Jalen Drooks. Yep. Janta Janabi. Janabi. Juta Janta Wabi. Anyway, this is embarrassing. Um, Point is, he should be able to put up like 18 points a game, no problem. Like, John Collins, I love because athletic hype beast mm-hmm. and the man offensively so gifted, but he is the worst defensive power Then why'd forward. you put Jaron Jackson below John Collins? Because he's going to be on a team where he's going to put up even stupider numbers. Like, last year he was... John Collins. Was. Yeah. Like, John Collins had stupid numbers last year, and he's going to even have better numbers than that this year. That's a scary thing. Like, his team got better. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s team got worse, but he might have a better opportunity. You know? Gotcha. Ricky. And, and that's why players. for me it's John Collins. And the reason why is what we saw last year, plus I want to see... So, it with John Collins, it's also this whole team growing as a whole because it's like I feel like John Collins and Trey Young are kind of like the defensive liabilities. And then it's like, what can the Red Mamba do defensively? What's DeAndre Hunter going to do for us defensively? What does Cam Reddish do for us defensively? Jabari Parker? Oh, wait, no, we paid him for offense. Um, Bruno Fernando, uh, or Fernandez, as I like to call him. Um, What is he going to do for us defensively to where it's like with all these other guys – mainly Hunter, Herter, and Sprinkle and Cam Reddish. What is their defense going to mean for a John Collins for, like, I'll use a starting lineup, DeAndre Hunter? All right, you're locking down your defense. Herter's locking down his defense. I don't have to be, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't have to be kind of, like, looked at as, like, hey, we need your defense here, John. It's like, no, 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 I've got those two, and I can focus more offensively to where, I'm asking the question, John Collins made a jump from 10 to 19 points per game, rookie to sophomore year. Does he break? I know it's only one point per game. Does he break the 20 points per game this year? And how high yep. does that total go in year three for John Collins? But even with that, you are still getting Trey Young, who's going to have to you know, probably take more of a scoring load. Mm-hmm. You have Kevin Herter, who's growing as well. You have Alan Crabb, who can be an outside shooter. Like, it's not just they're going to look solely to John Collins. They still added to that team. I'm shocked that none of you said Jason Tatum. This guy was God's given no, gift. No, no, my that. question is Jason Tatum. Why is he a question? Just because of that Celtics team. Like, was last that year That Celtics team's got better. No, 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 and that's what I'm thinking. Like, was last year a fluke? Because the year that Jason Tatum, without Kyrie, brought him to a game within the finals, we all crowned him. And then last year happened, and I wonder, is it solely on Kyrie? Are they, obviously, I think they're better off without Kyrie, but it's like, I don't know what to expect from the Celtics because their entire confidence as a team, in my mind, got shook last year because of Kyrie Irving. That's why I like I look at him and I go, I don't know what to expect because if I'm too high on them, I feel like I'm too high on the Celtics this year. They got mouths to feed, man. Like, that's my problem is... Ricky mentioned the playoffs, and mm-hmm. that's that's where it started with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It was coming out party. They they both had massive coming out parties in the playoffs. They played up. They played fantastic in their early years, but it never translated to the following year. Mm-hmm. And yet again, we have a team where it's wing heavy. We joke about you know the two through four of basically Jalen, Jason, and Gordon Hayward 
being interchangeable at times. And I just don't know how that depth is going to work for everybody's going to get to get theirs. And Jason could take that next step and tighten up his handles and learn to take, you know, better quality shots, better quality looks. But at the same time, you've got a worse point guard now with Kemba Walker. Might be better for the locker room. He's worse than kind of, yeah. He's just worse. Well, if you're saying talent-wise, yes, but as a strict point guard, I, I don't know if he's exactly he's worse, worse at that. Why yeah. is he worse? Because he's worse. You're saying How Kemba's is he worse? worse than Kyrie. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm not, I'm not saying talent-wise. Yep. A, a better player is Kyrie Irving. Yep. But for an actual point guard, <laughs> for moving the ball around and, and, and facilitating an offense, I don't think he's worse. I don't know. I think that Kemba really hasn't had a whole lot of team around him to facilitate to, so... I give the nudge to Kyrie Irving. But, but they have very similar assist numbers, where you have Kyrie, who's played with great players right. before. I, I honestly think that Kemba Walker will be better for this system because he's more of a willing passer, and he doesn't need to bring up the ball every single time because he can play off ball, where I think Kyrie had that mindset of he needs to bring up the ball every single time, where that means that the ball's going to be in the hands of Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum more coming up. Yeah. I honestly think that this is a way better move for this Boston Celtics offense, getting Kemba Walker in and, and, and having the sole focus not be Kyrie Irving. Because, yeah. yes, Kyrie put up near seven assists in this, this system last year, but we all look at what that did for this team. This team did not need Kyrie Irving bringing the ball up all yep. the fucking time. They needed just a, a, a multitude of wings who can But it's be a system user. where everybody eats. That's the thing. But nobody gets their but, fill. But that's that, the problem. But, but here's the thing. is If everyone's going to eat, that means that ball's moving, and that means yep. that ball is not going to be stagnant like it was last year. And that means people are going to get more open looks. And what was he doing with open looks? Why is it, why are they not getting open looks? I just uh, you, you say open looks. I just don't know. I don't know that everybody's gonna get open looks. I I, I truly think you have Gordon Hayward who can pass the ball. Jalen Brown who's a, a capable passer. You have Jason Tatum who's a capable passer as well. And you have Enos Cantor who's a fairly capable passer as well from from, from the low pa- post. And Kevin Walker we already talked about is a very similar passer to Ky- Kyrie Irving. I think that these guys are not selfish, and I think that this is going to be a offense that is fluid. And we look at what it was when that ball was fluid in Jason Tatum's rookie year. He was shooting 43% from from three. And that was because those looks were open. I think he's a very capable scorer when he's getting open looks. And I think he's going to probably have more of a similar year efficiency-wise compared to his rookie year because that ball will be more moving. Because what was the biggest thing in that rookie year for him, why that ball was moving? Kyrie Irving was injured. There's no Kyrie on this team. I think this ball is going to be moving, and I think it's going to be fluid, and I think he's going to get better looks. I think his percentage is going to be more similar to what it was for his rookie year. And with the increased playing time and increased looks, mm-hmm. I think we're probably looking at maybe a similar stat line where he's putting up 16 a game, yep. but he's more efficient, and he's not hurting his team like he was last year. That'd be nice, but have you seen the Boston, the FIBA Boston Celtics lose to Australia? Like, they literally lost to Australia. Are you fucking kidding me right now? But that was not not every... Jason it was T- the Boston Celtics. Gordon Hayward's not on the team. Yeah, but you had four Boston Celtics on that team. Marcus Smart's not in the starting lineup. He did play in that game, though. But he's not in the starting lineup. I'm like, just it's, saying. It's, it's, and he may be in the starting lineup coached by Brad Stevens. Pop? I'm just Pop, saying. Oh, yeah, Pop. The offensive a, genius who's no, taking the least amount of threes. They pass the ball, though. Like, they literally... Those, those guys did not pass the ball. That team had five assists going into halftime. I, I know Dave, it's FIBA it's the fucking and it's free qualifiers, like, but you lost to Rui fucking Hachimura Australia. Is Michael Jordan because of the fucking FIBA. But you lost to Australia. Okay. Jumping Joe Ingles. Andrew Bogut. Like, Ma- Pat Mills. 
Patty Mills. Those Dude, are the guys that who burn I don't give a that shit about that. Me. That's not the actual Boston Celtics. I know, but they're like not wearing green guys, uniforms, and they can't even play in a FIBA qualifier like warm up game and look good. That's embarrassing, Ricky. How that's much are you taking the FIBA games? I, into, that's into the first account. time we lost to Australia. Team, Dave. I'm just saying, first time we actually lost to Australia. We were like 30. Okay, I don't care. It's FIBA. I mean, there's so many guys that were like, I don't want to play. How this even our best time before that was them losing the playoffs where Jason Tatum was a no-show. So I'm just going to put it out there that the last two times I've now well, seen him, and, I'm disappointed. And, and that's, that's why, taste my mouth. And that's why, for bias. me personally, why I have... It's a question about the whole Celtics, but like with Jason Tatum, because he's the power forward, it's because of last year. I'm not going to use the... I personally don't use the FIBA, even though it's you can say, oh, they actually went up against competition that could be relative to what they see in the NBA. Sure. But like... The NBA is the NBA, and it's the league that everyone um, None comes of those guys to. are playing together. I just, for me, Four it of them was are on the same team. I'm talking about fucking Australia. Here, yeah, which is embarrassing. Here's the point. It's what Dave said after that. It's the great year in the playoffs, the coming out party. Then last year being the down year to where I almost wonder. It's like so was that first year the real you? Was it you overachieving and you're someone in the middle of those two years or is you just overachieved and what we saw last year is what we expect? Like, I don't know which one of those is the answer for the Boston Celtics because Kemba, when it comes to Kemba Kyrie, if you're asking me who I would want on my team, if I have a point guard and I want the better point guard on my team, I would probably pick Kyrie. But for the Boston Celtics, I think Kemba might be the better point guard for them because of what you said, Sean, where not only could he maybe be the better true point guard, he's not going to bring all that extra baggage that Kyrie brought, and he's not going to bring down the mentality of this team and kill their confidence. Ricky, I think you make absolutely great points, mm-hmm. but I am too heated to yeah. actually listen to him. I'm trying to bring logic you, you, into you, it. You gave me things <laughs> that I agree with in saying that Kemba yes. Walker is better for this uh, Boston Celtics team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, uh, do you remember the score of the All-Star <laughs> game last year? I don't. Oh, it was 178-164. Team LeBron beat Team Giannis. Yep. Oh, but Team Giannis had Giannis and Chris Mid and Mike Budenholzer was their coach, but they yep. lost, so that automatically means that they're not going to do shit this year because well, they lost they didn't a fucking win the playoffs, exhibition for sure. game. I'm just saying they didn't win the playoffs, that's all. They still went far. Talking about the Celtics the, or the Bucks? The Bucks. Okay. Went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just the saying. reason why they didn't go to the finals is because they lost in the All-Star game. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's recency bias. I told you. I openly admit my flaws. Oh. I see the two games. I remember the two games of the playoffs. He had a good series against Indy where he wasn't challenged defensively because you had to move Boyan around. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. He had a good series there. But then when he went up against Milwaukee and struggled mightily shooting the ball, mm-hmm. and I mean mightily, this man was just absolutely awful from three. Game one, he was 0 of, 0 of 1, 0 yeah, of 2, 2 0 of 5, then yeah. 1 of 5, then 1 of 3. Like, his first two games, 4 points, 5 points. Like, he was a ghost out there. But also, that what were those got looks like? Out. I mean, it, like, was he getting open looks and missing wide open looks? No, he was no. playing against someone who's good at basketball. Exactly, and and but also that team wasn't That's moving the if ball around. But that team wasn't moving the ball around. Yeah, Kyrie Irving was not effective that yeah. whole series. Kyrie Irving was the guy on that team. Kyrie Irving didn't do shit for that team. He is now off well, this no, team. He did shit, but that was it. He did shit and brought the team down. He didn't do what we wanted him to do and bring up the team. He killed the confidence. Basically, shook the mo. Like, this team was shook last year. I mean, 
It, you you it, had a couple good games? No, no, I'm not talking points, Dave. I'm talking like I bet you they lost all the, the off-the-court stuff. To where it's he like, had 11 assists in the first game. He had 10 assists in the fourth game. Like, <laughs> he moved the ball around. Like I, I know he had a bad game in that series, but like it was not solely on him. Was he jacking up way too many shots? Absolutely. Did he choke on his own ego? 110%. I will not defend Kyrie Irving on that fact you can't, because that was but hilarious. But you also can't just look at a box score and be like, well, he had 10 assists, so that means he was passing the no, ball. No, I'm just like, saying, like, he, he, you're, like, you're saying, like, what were he the looks stopped that the he ball. Was getting it? I'm just saying, he wasn't stopping the ball. He wasn't, you know, the ISO monster. He was taking shitty shots. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But the ball was still moving around. And that, that's my point. Is like, But how many of those were in transition? How many were those easy baskets? How many of those yep. were guys standing under the rim? How many of those were Al Horford pushing off? Let me get my time machine to do show prep. I, mean, but, but, I can't but, do that. But that's the thing. Is like We can't just look at a, 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 a box score. And what I saw for a large majority yeah. of that season and a large majority of the playoffs, because yep. they, they did only win one game against Milwaukee, he was stagnant with the ball. And I'm not just going to look at assist yeah. numbers and be like, well, that means the ball was moving. No. Devin Booker's the best point guard in the league because he had eight assists. No. I mean, no. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, fuck. Jason Tatum. Why go is to he basketball. such a lightning rod? Yes, but is he is he top ten talent? No. Is he top twenty talent? Absolutely. Why I is think... he such a lightning rod though? Because this isn't the first. Like it's just everyone... controversial. But what did he do? Because people want to crown him because he showed up his rookie year in the playoffs against LeBron. Yeah, that was okay. it. Like when you go up against King Jalen Brown's defense on LeBron James put him into like the top ten on some people's boards for mm-hmm. shooting guards, and then it was like okay, regular season Jalen Brown, never mind. And then we went back to the playoffs game. I was like, okay, yeah, this kid's pretty good at basketball yeah, when it comes to crunch time. Last year we had um, the whole guys, point is you guys had him at seven, I had him at six. The whole problem is the fact this off this this team does not run like other teams. This is everybody gets a little bit, and we win more games because we play more consistent rotations out there, and everybody gets a little bit. Everybody contributes on their own level. You're not expecting, you know, they weren't dependent on the Kyrie Irving like you said. When he was out there, that wasn't the best version of the Celtics yeah. because that was the Kyrie Irving-led Celtics. When you have just the Celtics, like everybody under one banner, then you got better performances all the way around, and everybody got theirs. And you know what? Nobody had a stunning stat line, you know, night in, night out. But guys had their individual performances that were pretty good. It, averages were down on average, but well, I you can, won no games. I compare them to probably the Eastern Conference Utah Jazz, and look at where we have what we think Boyan Bogdanovich is going to do. Right? Yeah. I, I think that of Jason Tatum. And I think it's probably, you know, probably more of a sexier name because Jason Tatum's, you know, this guy from Duke, top three pick. 17 years old. 17 years old. Um, But I I, I do think that that's going to be his his top this year is he's going to be similar to what Boyan's going to do in the Utah uh, system. And also just to... Bring bring up what Ricky said, saying that we we had him seven last year uh, in our rankings. That was for small forwards, so definitely not one to one because not all those same players were there. But we did have him top ten for for that position. Um, final thoughts? You want to talk about Sabonis? Maybe take off some of this pressure. <laughs> Woo! Woo! I love Sabonis. Uh, this kid coming out of college was basically like my hero for a little bit. Got to bit. see him live too. It was pretty much because I got to see him live. <laughs> if it had been someone else I saw live, same reaction, but it was just great great day of games. We got to see the player you love and the player that Sean hated the most. Georges Niang. Fuck that guy. <laughs> um, you have concerns though about how him and Turner are going to play in the Yeah, lineup. I mean they never they never really fit great together uh skill set wise on the offensive end of the court. They're you don't have spacing. And like as much as they try to add a three-point shot to each of their games, it just it it's not great running those two big guys out there who don't have the athleticism. Miles Turner looked good at times, um, like like really above average at times, should I say? Um, but like Sabonis is one of those guys who looks like he's got all the skills, he's got all the tools in the bag. You know, he's not as good as his dad clearly, but he's still above average in a lot of categories. And you know, I think we joked about before the podcast, he's got he's like a worse version of Marcus Aldridge. You know, 
He can play the four. He can play the five. He can get you a shit ton of rebounds. He can move the ball around, uh, and he can score efficiently in the low post. And I think for him, it's just a situation of circumstances when mm-hmm. he's not able to be a, a solid focus on the team. And this this roster is turning over already. We've seen the additions. Victor Oladipo hopefully is going to be back healthy. But you've got enough new guys in there who are going to get theirs. And I think he's at a point where he's going to get paid. And the question is, do the Pacers really want to pay him and Miles Turner when you haven't had success being able to play them together? Or do you think it's time to move on from him and get something of value back that might be better fit for the future of this team as you try to make for deeper playoff pushes in the East? Yeah, I think that's probably what they're going to do, especially since they already gave Turner that extension. But you know, we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, any final thoughts? No. Just in general. I mean, the biggest ones were with the Celtics. And this is going to play into Oof. our predictions and our um, standings. I have no idea where I'm going to put them because I want to put them at the middle, but I also want to put them at the top. All right. Uh, we're going to move on now into our 1 through 10. Hopefully it's less heated. Boston Celtics aren't even going to play Jason Tam at the 4. He's going to be three Gordon Haywards <laughs> off the bench, and somebody else is going to start at the 4. We're all going to be wrong. Aaron Bates. No, he's on the other team. Yeah. He's on the Suns. But let's move into the final segment, and that is 1 through 10 for our starting power forwards in the for the 2019-2020 NBA season. Ricky Weaver starts off. So, number 10, Pascal Siakam. I originally had him lower, um, but I was watching uh, a boy, Jake. He was uh, streaming on Twitch, and someone in his Twitch stream was like, that's way too low for Pascal, so I put him in the top 10. So, Pascal is number 10. Kristaps Porzingis is at number 9. Julius Randle at 8. My boy, Lowry Markinen of the Bulls at 7. LaMarcus Aldridge at 6. The big one, and... A little bit of a drum roll for this one. Zanos Williamson, Zion, at number five. Anthony Davis at four. Blake Griffin Fucking at three. Fucking Rudy Gay, man. Yeah, no Rudy Gay in this one. Blake Griffin at three. Kawhi Leonard at two. And Giannis Antetokounmpo at number one. All right, Dave, give us your one through ten. Sure thing. Uh, at number ten, I had Julius Randle. At nine, it's Pascal Siakam. Eight, Boyan Bogdanovich. At seven, Lowry Markinen. Six, Christoph Porzingis. Five, LaMarcus Aldridge. Four is Blake Griffin. Three, Anthony Davis. Two, Giannis. And one, Kawhi Leonard. I'm just, I, both of you had, both of you with Markinen. Uh, at 10, I have Draymond Green. At 9, I have Laurie Markinen. At 8, I have Boyan Bogdanovich. At 7, I have Pascal Siakam. At 6, I have Kristaps Porzingis. At 5, I have LaMarcus Aldridge. At 4, I have Blake Griffin. At 3, I have the reigning NBA MVP and Giannis Antetokounmpo. At two, I have Anthony Davis. And at one, I have Kawhi Leonard. And for our cumulative rankings, we have at 10, Boyan Bogdanovich. At nine, Julius Randle. At eight, Pascal Siakam. At seven, Lori Markkinen. At six, Kristaps Porzingis. At five, LaMarcus Aldridge. At four, we have Blake Griffin. At three, Anthony Davis. At two, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And at number one, Kawhi Leonard. Let's start off with the uh, Bulls homerism here. Pascal Siakam is better than Larry Markkinen. What are you guys talking about? This is ridiculous. Yes! This is a guy that went into the NBA Finals and went up against Kevin Durant in the Golden State Warriors and had a phenomenal performance. And he went through the playoffs and had phenomenal performances. And he is the most improved player. And Larry Markkinen can't even play a full season. We'll never know because Larry Markkinen will never be on that Kawhi Leonard Raptors team. It's very true. The opportunities, the looks, the setups, you know, it's, it's all very different. Now, does Pascal Siakam have a great opportunity in front of him? Absolutely. You know, did he perform extremely well in the games that 
Kawhi Leonard did not play in. Yeah, yeah, he played admirably. But at the end of the nice day, nice word there, admirably. But at the end of the day, when you've got a seven foot finished sniper on the outside, you're not just gonna put him down. You know, you got you got to go let the <laughs> let the shooter shoot. When you have a better defensive player though, and Pascal Siakam, when you have a guy player. who is, I think, better driving to the lane. I mean, the only thing that Markkanen has over him is size because he's seven feet tall and shooting, and he's a phenomenal shooter. Yeah, but I would take Those are pretty big. I would pretty take right into this league. Yeah, <laughs> I would take the all around game over. It's not like Pascal Siakam's a bad shooter. He shot thirty six percent from three last year. Like, he's a decent shooter. Yeah. Like he's above league average. Mm-hmm. I guess he's not a god like Markkanen is, but he is much better as a well-rounded player than Larry Markkanen is. If, if you're looking for who could be a number one option, Siakam fits that bill way better than Larry Markkanen does. I don't know about that. I'm just... Look, we, we, we we're just starting to scratch the surface of what Larry Markkanen is or isn't. Same with Siakam. But Siakam's, this was Siakam's already first 25. That's, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Siakam's 25. He's in his prime. Okay, but this is for this year, yeah. Dave. So I would rather take the 26-year-old who's finally getting He's 25, shot. but okay. Oh, 25-year-old. Yep. I, I was assuming that it was 25-year-old last year. 25-year-old. I'd rather take yeah. the 25-year-old who's now finally getting a shot with great veteran t- players on a team that is well-coached by Nick Nurse than the hellhole that is the Chicago Bulls with Jim the Thumb Boylan and, you know, who the hell their starting point guard is, whether it be Chris Dunn, who doesn't want to be there, or Thomas Sadoransky, who's like 6'9". Check out like, Superfans. We'll check out Super. Couldn't figure it out. Um, <laughs> I'd rather take Siakam's kind of clean slate than it is Laurie Markkinen's question marks when it not only comes to the starting lineup and the starting head coach, but also to his health as well. Like this year, Siakam's more of a clear cut choice than it is Markkinen. So, all the joking aside, my six through ten was kind of like a hodgepodge of what to expect because you've got. Pascal Siakam, yes, had a very nice year last year, very good year last year. But now without Kawhi being there, what's it like? Without Kawhi being there, what are we going to see this year? I had questions about that, so I couldn't put him any higher than I did. Kristaps Porzingis, injury, was out an entire year, and he's on a new team. So it's like, it's one of those to where I would pick Porzingis over Siakam. That's how he broke that tiebreaker. But I almost have a question about what we're going to see from him because of coming back from injury and with a new team, although we think he'll fit nicely with Luka in Dallas. Then you've got Julius Randle, yet again, played very nice, played, had a great season, but now he's in New York where usually talent goes to New York and it's just the island of misfit toys. I'm sorry, Nick fans, but it just kind of disappears where it's like, oh, he was a Nick and then really I never knew he existed ever again. And then there's Larry Markkinen, who, again, injury questions, hasn't played that full season, but has shown glimmers and kind of specks of something that you would love to see from a seven-foot sniper and a finisher um, for that power forward position. So for me, it was like the top six was, all right, these guys are those top six. It was these four that's like, okay, how do I mix these guys around because there's questions whether it's injury or just them being in a new location or them not having one of the best players in the league matched up with them on the same team. Dave, are you this concerned about Siakam and his lack of uh, Kawhi Leonardness uh, on, on this team? Like, are you concerned about that? Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing for me is you're the one telling me that this is a Raptors team that's going to go wholesale 
and give away their veterans uh, for pennies on a dollar to clear house because they're not going to compete. You're trying to tell me that Kyle Lowry is going to get no, shipped saying, out of town in his I'm final year. So for, I'm going to say I'm his supporting for, cast next year is such an unknown that, yes, he no, can not have next year, solid. this year. And I think yeah, by yeah, February 14th that it might be thinned out a little bit, yes. Yeah, so... But for the first half of the season, I don't think it will be. And I think by that point, when you hit that February deadline around there, Siakam won't have to, I think, rely as much as he will on these veterans that they might move, whether it be Gasol, whether it be Lowry, whether it be Fred Van Fleet, they might end up only moving Fred Van Fleet. I mean, they yeah. might want to keep Lowry around for what he's done for this country, uh, this, this country. Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah, the whole country for for Canadian country. Um, I mean, if they want to do... You said keep Lowry around. I'm sorry, confused. Yeah, Lowry. If they want to keep Lowry. Mark Kyle. Lowry. Lowry. Not Lowry. Sorry. Not Lowry. Lowry. Yeah. Right. Kyle Lowry. If they want to keep <laughs> Lowry around. I was like, if they want yeah, to keep yeah. Kyle Lowry around for what he's done for this country, there we go. then yeah, I totally understand that. So I, I mean it's not for sure given. I think that again, they might not be competing for a championship, but they'll still be a playoff team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I the Bulls have equal chances to go to the playoffs this year. That's that's they my have, Raptors have much a much better chance. Than if them. you're telling me that they're gonna sell their whole team out, then no, I, I would not give them great playoff odds, Sean. That that's what you're telling me is that they're going to ship Gasol out. They're going to try to ship a Bach out. They're going to potentially ship off Kyle Lowry. Like they, These are not things that inspire confidence towards playoffs. Meanwhile, the Bulls are a team that went ahead and added talent mm-hmm. like Thad Young, added talent like Sadoransky, and you know, went healthy. They've got an el- just a, a elite young group of talent with tons of potential still left in them. I think Lowry Markkinen can be out there putting up 20-something a night on this Bulls team once their offense finally clicks. The problem is that They've just had to cycle in and out guys left and right to where there's no consistency. You know, he had multiple 30-point performances last year, and I think that's more along the lines of what you should expect to see is a guy who's going to be, you know, a 20 to 25-point-a-game score between he and Zach Levine, and then you're going to have the complementary pieces like the Auto Players, like the Wendell Carter Juniors, who are going to be able to kind of fill in those uh, blank games. And my expectation is he's going to be able to do that while providing good shooting from the outside, and decent defense being seven feet tall. So here's a question I have when it comes to these two players and these two teams. So yeah. ESPN put out their like predictions for this year, Yep. and they've got a full win-loss total for the East and the West. But yep. in the East, I'm just going to throw out the Raptors, have you talk about it, and then throw out the Bulls. Do you guys think over-under on these win totals? So first the Raptors, they have them as the sixth seed, 45 wins, 45 and 37. Over, under, or does that seem about right for Siakam, Siakam and the Raptors? 45 wins? 45 wins. Six I would, seed. and what were they at last year? 60, something? I would have to pull up the okay. standings from um, last year, but I'll get you that. You're, t- you're saying over, under on that? Yeah, over, under, or if you think it's even. They were at 58 last year. Um, I would take the... Over, I'll say, I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll take the over. It's not guaranteed that they will be trading those starting players. Mm-hmm. I think that that might be a route that they they should explore. That's that's one thing that I, sh- I I'll, I'll say that I think they might explore that route of trading those players, but I don't think it's a given that they will. And it's something you would do if you were the GM. Yes, yeah. um, or at least explore it. Um, but yeah, no, I I would say over. Fair enough. I I also think they're probably going to be over. Uh, I think they're probably about a fifty win team. Yeah, the only I'm going to say over two, and the only reason why I say over is I think Brooklyn or Indiana is going to be above them in the standings, and they're at 45 46. Mm-hmm. The Bulls, they have as the 11th seed 32 and 50 this upcoming year. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. 
because that's the assumption that what half our team's gonna be hurt for half the year again like that's that's the biggest thing when you look at the bulls last year they had spurts of success and it was all predicated around you know bringing adding an auto porter at the end of the year was a nice bit but like having all the talent healthy at the same time which mm-hmm. was like oh we can win games because we have healthy players this is a freaking miracle out here um i understand that the raptors did win have a great winning percentage without Kawhi Leonard last year, but that was like those games were hand selected as like, yeah, we can get by without that. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that that game's against the Grizzlies. Well, that game's wanna, against the you know whatever. Do you want to know how many points Siakam put up in those? I think games? it's like twenty one, nineteen, nineteen, okay, So okay. he played so without he, Kawhi Leonard. He almost put up as many points a game as you know Larry Marketing. He was better without Kawhi Leonard. He put up sixteen points well, throughout that whole season. Score. I know, but he put up sixteen points throughout that whole game. Someone has to score on this team for the Raptors. Yeah. Why can't it be Siakam? Siakam was the most improved player over Buddy Heald, the greatest shooter of all time. Um, he was he was I better than De'Aaron Fox, that fight. that point guard. I mean, like he went out there, yeah. and he produced without Kawhi. I am not worried about that. Yep. He has a more well round and balanced game than Larry Markkinen. And he doesn't have the injury concerns. I'm taking Siakam, especially for this year. Maybe, maybe down the line, maybe next year I'll be putting Markin in above him. But right the now, guy who is I got already Siakam. scoring you know, almost 19 points a game normally mm-hmm. with all that talent around him. You know, I'm just saying. Okay, but are we just looking at points because if we're looking at I'm looking points at his shooting defense, percentages. I'm sh- I'm looking at his okay, ability. I would, also, I would also take his Siakam's a great rebounder, and also defensively, Siakam better than Markin. Yeah, I mean, Markin had nine rebounds per game last year in certain areas. Like, that's the thing. Like, you could say better defensively guarding the perimeter. Absolutely. Better defensively in transition. Yes. But Markkanen as a big body guarding at the five is going to beat out Siakam. I'm sorry. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's longer. Period. Well, luckily, we're ranking power forwards and not <laughs> yep. fives. No, um, but when you got to guard the low post, you got to guard the low post. All right. It was a good thing Marcus Gasol's on the team. So, anyways. And Serge Ibaka. Let's, yeah, and Serge Ibaka. Uh, let's move to another debate that I think... I think it's going to be hot. Let's get the debates out of the way. Let's mm-hmm. keep it hot. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it, you know, spicy. real fans will stay in the end. Spicy. Thank you. For, Thank you. for Pascal Siakam. Yeah. How the fuck is Anthony Davis, first off for you, Ricky, below Blake Griffin? Mm-hmm. And how the fuck is he not number two? I get it. Giannis Antetokounmpo is worse. the reigning MVP player. He is absolutely not worse. Over the past three years, there has been one player to put up over 10 boards and over 27 points per game. In a, in a whole entire well, season. I take the that, thing that is without Anthony a game Davis. The thing is, because he actually, doesn't play games. Yeah, you actually have to be on the court. Yeah, I'm sorry. To show how great it's you are, you have to be Love on the court. It's not Kevin Love out here. It's not like he's playing 70 games. Yeah, but like, he yes, wasn't last on the court year he had that, 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 uh, that, that part that kept him out, but it wasn't because he was massively injured. He played 75, 75 games in 56. No, it was, and it his also, choice last year, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so again, 75 and 75 in the two years before. So we're taking those three years, and he wasn't even injured last year. He was... A player that was doing was stuff injured. that was not even touchable. <laughs> he was the only player that was putting up those type of numbers. Yeah. He was putting up great numbers, but at the same time, are you going to discount what? Giannis being able to lead a team to 60 wins in the regular season and to a deep playoff run, uh, something that Anthony Davis has never been able to do because okay, but he let, isn't oh, able are we just to looking at solely, team. Are we just looking at solely teams here? Because outside Giannis of Drew Holiday... incredible individual stats too. Okay, but outside of just Drew Holiday, who the fuck does Anthony Davis have? I would have, you have to a, you say have a, they you have another all shot building roster. You have another all not, uh, all-star in Chris Middleton. You have yep. Brooke Lopez, who was a, a, a great pickup. You have Eric Bledsoe, who's a, a, what, a, top, a top 15 point guard. I mean, and they have a way better coach than Mike Budenholzer. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like it's just Anthony Davis versus you, you know Giannis right here because strictly as players, because what have they done? I mean, and that's, also the, the year sort of before, the point, though, this, isn't it? You know, strictly as players, who's better? Mm-hmm. And I would say Giannis is a more well rounded player. I would say Giannis. Well rounded? Yeah. Anthony Davis is a better defender. 
Yes. And Anthony Davis is probably a better scorer than Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> I would I disagree mean, with that. Giannis yeah, has what, been averaging what, 26 and 27 the last two years. Okay, and and what did Anthony Davis do last year in his 59 games? 26 points. What did he do in the year prior? 28 games. 28 points. What did mm-hmm. he do in the year prior? 28 points. He's put up better numbers, scoring numbers in the past three years. I just said there's only been one but guy Giannis to put up over 25 points and 10 and boards in the past three years. I think it was also like X amount of assists or whatever. It's been Anthony Davis. I just, I also kind of feel like the thing with when it came to me, it was. It's not what you feel. One player is no, better no, no, than the no, other. No, no. It's Anthony Davis. Is it better. was first off, there were tears. It was Giannis and Kawhi are one, two in my mind. Who was I going to put one or two? I put Giannis over Kawhi. That can be a debate in itself. But then after that, it was okay. Blake Griffin and Anthony Davis. And there will be people that say, Anthony Davis should be above Blake Griffin, but two things for me. Smart One, Anthony Davis, how are his numbers going to be affected by playing with LeBron James? Because that's always a factor of your numbers do change in some way. You're not the same player you were with the Pelicans. You have to give up something when you play with LeBron James. And then also with Blake Griffin, the thing that I think with him is, yes, was he scoring the exact amount as Anthony Davis? No, but for me, I feel like, yet again, I put a lot of weight in the three ball. And with the amount of attempts he was taking, how he has upped his three-point percentage, that's what I would go with more than an Anthony Davis who, yeah, he's going to get me a ridiculous amount of rebounds. Yes, he'll get me, even if he sacrifices some scoring, can give me the same points as a Blake Griffin. But if Anthony Davis is going to play the four and not the five, which he doesn't like playing the five, he likes playing the four. We and hear you're him complain only, about it every year. And you're only going to give me 33% from three? Like, this is a league where if you're the four, you got to have a more respectable number from beyond the arc yes, in my mind. Yes, because Giannis, he's known for a sharpshooter. Sharp yeah, he's working with Cal wow. Corver. He is. He's working with the, the one part of his game. He got that better every month last year, shooting from three. I'm just saying. Um, my whole thing is just. Any any way you want to slice and dice the stats, every advanced analytic points to Giannis being the better player. Every single one of them. True shooting percentage, uh, offensive VPM, defensive VPM, VORP, uh, win shares, like everything screams Giannis carries his team harder than Anthony Davis ever could. And at the end of the day, yeah, that, that matters a lot to me. And you you made Are the we case. looking just at last season? I'm I'm looking at last season because that's what we're basing this off of. Because look, Giannis mm-hmm. got better every single year he's been in the league. So if you want to, you know, say he's trending has in a direction, Anthony Davis not? I think Anthony Davis has been pretty much the same player he's been for the last three seasons. I don't I don't know how much his game has evolved in the last three seasons compared to a player like Giannis, who over the last five seasons has turned into the MVP of the league from being a bench scrawny player well, who literally grew up, you know, I, I think the biggest thing bones. that you can, fight, you could, I could fight back on that with is, you know, you could say that the points did not go up and the, the rebounds did not go up. Um, but at least from 2016, to 2017, he had, he averaged more blocks per game and he increased his three point percentage, which Ricky was harping over that was from 29% great. to 34%. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and last year, I mean, we can kind of throw it out, but even then, if we didn't, yes, he went down a little bit in three point percentage, but still, I mean, he, at around 26 points per game, was a better rebounder, and jumped from 2.3 assists to 4 assists. Like, I mean, this was a guy that has been able to do every single thing for this team. He's been able to move the ball around. He's been able to score. He's been able to play defense at elite levels. 
I mean, Anthony Davis, I think we're just disrespecting him because we don't like the way he left New Orleans, which is fair. I, I shit on Kawhi Leonard. For yeah. I, I absolutely did. So if you want to do that, that's fair. And I understand that he's the MVP, the reigning MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo was. But if Anthony Davis was out there, I still think that he would have been in contention for that that award. I, look, I'm sorry that I'm going to disrespect him that way, but you know what happens is one team learned how to build around a star and the other one couldn't figure it out. So that's on and Anthony I'm not going Davis? To, no, I'm not going to fault you know anything about that, but when you look at what they're able to produce in their systems, Giannis has been embraced and has thrived. Anthony Davis was embraced and has been stagnant. You know, they tried for some dumb reason to pair him up with Boogie, who, look, I love that pairing. I thought that mm-hmm. pairing was going to be fantastic. We never even get to see them because of injuries, unfortunately. Yeah. They traded off on who was going to be broken first. Um, <laughs> fucking and ridiculous. then when one came back, the other one was like, okay, bro, my turn. Thanks for covering for me, bro. You can take the cover, cover the hot seat on the bench. Um, look, that was, that was a pairing that could have been dynamic, but instead we didn't get to see it together. It's a shame that we didn't get to see this, but now we're going to see Anthony Davis in his prime playing with the best player in the NBA and LeBron James. And like Ricky said, there there's a cost for that. And yes, is he going to be expected to put up stupid numbers? Absolutely. Like This is a team where we've talked about their lack of depth being a in just a, a huge concern as far as how they're going to continue to keep up with other teams. But I still go back and Giannis has been able to carry a team. Giannis took his team to the Eastern Conference um Finals. Finals, thank yeah. you. The word was not coming. And everything about his game just keeps getting better. His true shooting percentage is incredible. He is he's unstoppable during the regular season. During the playoffs, teams still don't have a great answer for him. You know, it, it I'm waiting for the let's find the gimmicky way to play defense against Giannis, kinda like they do with Harden covering his back, you know, shoulder because well he steps back for all of his shots. Like there's gonna be some ridiculous bullshit I about could, that coming up next year. I could take shots like, you know, if we're looking at career true shooting percentage, uh, you know, it, it is close. Uh Giannis does lead him fifty nine point one percent to fifty eight point five percent. Last season it is close. Um, yeah, last season, 64.4% to 59.7%. But also, if we look at the teams, one team was moving the ball around at they had an, an, an system. unreal rate where Anthony Davis had Drew Holiday. Same with their defense, too. And that's the thing. I didn't even bring up defensive rating. He was at 99 last year because that Bucks team was incredible. Like, mm-hmm. they just had answers to everything. And, I, again, I, that's team. That's a lot of team effort. Was Giannis a huge impact on that because... He shuts down every passing lane. Yeah, I mean, I mean if we want to do defensive rating career, Anthony Davis has a lower defensive rating than right. than Anthony Davis. One hundred and three to one hundred four. Has been getting better every year, and I think he's. I think this past year he surpassed Anthony do you Davis. Know who the all time leader in Purr is? I don't. Oh, it's Anthony Davis. Cool career leader. So I mean, like, I'm you, sure I that'll look up, great on his hands when he holds up for you know. How I many does fucking Giannis have? Like, get the I'm fuck just out saying, of here. Like, you once, can't bring up rings when both of them have zero. No, but like per zero times zero is zero, brother. Like, come yeah. on. Here's, One's been closer. Okay, but, but if you're throwing out all the, if you're throwing out every single an, you know, advanced one metric, guy's getting better. Like I understand that by a lot. Every one guy's year. getting better, but also one guy's on a much better team. It's not even close that 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 comparison. Anthony Davis did not have help, but and now last, he's going to play with LeBron fucking James. Like this is going to be the year for Anthony Davis, and if it's not, and if it's I will, not, I will eat my fucking underwear. I will come I, here deal. And, and, and cut. Deal. I'm not actually deal. cutting that. Deal, 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 deal. I'm not, you guys saw it. We all heard it. I'm holding okay, to it. Fucking relax. This I'm man is going to eat some I'm fucking boxes. Eating my underwear. It's a are, fucking expression. Are you wearing it for a whole day first? Ooh, what like, the fuck? It's fetishy. <laughs> Get the 
fuck out of here, bro. Fresh out of the dryer. I like... mean, if that hit, if he's gonna do it during the summer, that's gonna be some. Oh, Jesus like, are we Christ. going to Six Flags? Whole it's day. It's like my hat. I'm just saying. Should I say eat my hat? I will eat my hat if I'm wrong on this one. He, he uh, just gave me a spiel about how Pascal Siakam, the most improved player of the year, this is one of the guys who's been the most improved player of the year once, and he could have won it two more times because he just keeps getting better. He's like, yeah, so I won that. And like, are you going for MVP? And he's like, well, can I still win improved player of the year? Yeah. Like, but your your comparison is there a rule against that? Your comparison you're comparing Pascal Siakam and Laurie Markin and both yeah. guys who are rare, rarely, you know, yeah, they're un, not number one options yet. Where Anthony Davis is a three-time All-NBA player, a three-time yeah. block champion, a three-time All-Defensive player, uh, a six-time All-Star. It's not like he's I going to say three-time All-Star, bomb. a three-time All-NBA, a two-time All-Defensive. I'm just saying. I think, I think I heard more for Anthony Davis on those 2013-2014 uh, All-Rookie, uh, uh, most player, and MVP, all which kind of trumps them all. The MVP was, and, and that's that's for sure. Just but again, better. But again, did you vote for him for MVP? I actually predicted that he would win the MVP at the start of the year. Who did you pick, though? I want Harden to win it. But you I picked Harden. But I picked. You picked Harden. You but didn't I, even think but he was I the MVP. But I predicted Giannis. Okay, but did, and I predicted it. AD as well, so but you would be very wrong. I was wrong, but I'm just saying, like maybe maybe it's bias is showing here. I picked Giannis. It was guy. It was biasing showing here, but you yeah. also at the end of the season thought James Harden was more important to his well, team yeah. than than it, Giannis was. I absolutely did because I've been James, James Harden the last hard, five years. Bingo. I was about to drop a hard G, by the way. Giannis. It was, it was, it was, get up the G. Accident. So Oof. here's the thing I'm gonna say when it comes to Anthony Davis too yeah. is, and this Laker team. It's not the exact same situation as the other two times, but it's predicting who's going to be who. Where LeBron, when he left Cleveland the first time, you bring in Bosch, you bring in Wade, you bring in LeBron. LeBron gets his points. He's always the consistent. But when you look at the other two, D. Wade went from 26. I got to move this because points is the only one I want to make sure I'm reading. He went from... 26, 8, and 5, or 8, and 6, to 25, 6, and 4. So his points went down, but really he was pretty much the same player. Whereas Bosch went from 24, 10, and 2 to 18, 8, and 1. Then you go with Cleveland. LeBron comes in, he's consistent. Kyrie, he took on the D-Wade role. He went from uh, 23, and 6 to 21, 3, and 5. K Love coming in went from 26, 12, and 4 to 16, 9, and 2. And when it comes to the Lakers, if LeBron's going to get his, Anthony Davis, well, first off, Anthony Davis, is he going to be the Wade Kyrie or the Bosch Love? Because Kyle Kuzma is that. Other Ricky. kind of variable where. No. No, no. Let me finish. There's a clear answer. It's Wade Kyrie. Kanye, let me finish. Um, the only thing that, and I'm not saying Kuzma's going to be the guy to be the Wade Kyrie, but the one thing that kind of leans into Kuzma's favor is it's whoever's the guy that, hey, I was here before you came in. That's the guy that's been A-OK. Kyrie, he was there when LeBron came in. Bosh, he was, or Wade, he was there when Ricky. LeBron came in. Bosh, Love, and now Anthony Davis are the addition. So that's history playing into it. Although I would be shocked if Kuzma had a bigger jump and he had better stats than Anthony Davis at the end of the year. If you think that Kyle Kuzma had to be added to that package to get Anthony Davis, do you think LeBron would have done it? 
No, I know that, but I'm saying but like of what it's, the it's team going, is right now. He, usually, it's the guy that Ricky, I, I can change point, the team. But that was that was what, those guys: Caleb, Bosch, mm-hmm. Wade, Kyrie were all all stars. Kyle mm-hmm. Kuzma's not on those levels of those guys. That's the biggest thing. And also, Dwayne Wade and Kyrie Irving were better players than Caleb and Chris Bosch. That's mm-hmm. the reason why they stayed the same or gotten better. Not because they were still on the same team. It's because. They were the better players of those those guys. That's the reason why they got fed more. I'd argue the K Love thing, but they're close. I mean, for me, the big argument is: what is your true expectation for Anthony Davis well, in a LeBron system? There, there's, but there's there's even things coming out that LeBron might be even taking a back seat. He might not be. He might be. We could see the fifty twenty Anthony Davis games all over again, where every <laughs> single fall he looks I, like he is just a monster. You know, Bill. Let's say Bill. Let's say basically just point up these stupidest numbers that you know you can imagine. I think it's like Wilt Chamberlain numbers. Here, here's the thing: is I think that we might see Giannis have a better statistical year when it comes to points. Um, but when it comes Rebounds to and assists, assists, I might argue. Well, no, what he had? No, he he four he, last year. He, he trounced him. He, he had five point nine. Five point nine. Okay. Um, what was he, it? 27, 11, and six then? 27, 12 and a half and six. Okay. Um, I think defensively is probably going to be where Anthony Davis shines more. Has to. And then I think also efficiency is going to be where he sh- shines the most because you're, you're saying 64% shoot, true, true shooting, shooting. For, for Giannis. <laughs> you're also <laughs> having LeBron feed you. And I, I think that's where it's going to be. I mean, okay. I, I think that's where it's going to be probably shine the most because LeBron hasn't had this type of a big. Um, playing next to him. And I think that's where you're going to get a lot of open looks for for Anthony Davis under the bucket. And, I mean, he's going to make them. I mean, Jesus that's Christ. That's a team that and you need to put a lot on your back, though. So it's a long regular season, having to do a lot of carrying. We'll see. You don't think it's a lot of carrying for Giannis? No, that's that's a super well-rounded team still. Like you said, I mean, they they're lost a deeper Nico. team. Yeah, that's but, that, but that let's big look loss. At the Nico let's, look at, let's look at the playoffs. He wasn't able to put him on the rack. Uh, I mean, he was. He just came very close. But they, they made him beat him, and he wasn't able to do it. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying, if teams have that mindset of, all right, we're going to let Giannis get his, and we're going to shut down everybody else, what's that team going to look like? Because that was the way that they beat him last year in the, for the Raptors. So I, I, I think that, you know, Anthony Davis is getting a little bit disrespect here. That's just my thoughts. Um, let's the, go. I was just going to say, yeah, the, Bulls, the Bucks lost Nico. Who did they add? Another former bull in Rolo. It's okay. And Kyle Korver. Yeah. Um, just add former bull. Rolo's shooting threes this year, by the way. <laughs> I would, I would be afraid. Um, let's move to Christoph Sporzingis, one of the guys that we, we probably should mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to a new team like Ricky mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, what are the expectations for him? Because we, we, we talk about you know him possibly yeah. being the unicorn. You know, 21 points, crazy block numbers, you know, super efficient from three. Um, what's the expectation with him playing next to Luca? Uh, he's got to be, well, don't be hurt, but he's got to be what he was. If he is not, and I understand that coming off of the injury is like, okay, I don't expect you to be exactly where you were. Yeah. But like, there's an expectation where it's like, it's you and Luca. Like, if you two aren't the, t- like, Luca will be the probably main scoring option, like, if not the top, if Kristaps falls off. But it's like, if Tim Hardaway Jr. is above you by the end of the year, like that's a failed season. Where it's like that's gonna happen. He I, would needs, hope, I would hope that's a failed season. He needs to be the same, if not a little bit better, than he was in that 2017-2018 year for the Knicks. Do you think he can be better, Dave? Yeah, I mean the the biggest concern is his own health. Once he gets over that, like this guy's 
he's seven three with intensity that you don't see out of guys that size, that scale, that weight range. And he moves, he plays with passion, scores well, and now he's playing on the Euroist friendly Euro team. You could have Euro together, you know, like that's that's the key to success. You're you're out of New York. You have no media attention at this point. There's no pressure. So it's pretty much just down to the fact of you and Luca get to go out there and just play hoops. Mm-hmm. Just just keep the ball moving, bounce between everybody, and look like you said, Ricky. As far as scoring options go, it it's one two, and then it stops. So yeah. I both guys are going to have over twenty a game. And Easy. for our, our YouTube watchers, our camera did die, mm-hmm. um, and we do not have a backup. So uh, probably going to be uh, logoed for the rest of the the time out here. Um, just just let you know uh, for for people watching there. I I. I for Chris Stapps, I just want to see him be healthy, and, and like you guys said, I mean, that, that's the biggest thing, but if he is healthy and he is in shape, I, I do think that we could possibly see Chris Stapps pushing 23 and, and, and being... Oh, easy. Yeah, being being massively efficient, because when you have a guy feeding you like that, I mean, shit, it's, it's going to be tough Pick to and pop that. with Lucas. Yeah, good, good fucking luck. It's just, can you surpass Blake Griffin at that point? Yeah. And, and Blake is a guy that is going to have the ball in his hands a ton. Obviously, he has his own injury concerns as well, but I think we were looking at it, and and he's the only he's like one of the only players or one of the only three players to average twenty five, uh, ten boards and like six assists last year. That's I mean, incredible. He, he was an insane. He carried a team into the playoffs that had no right to be he's there. Probably gonna do it again. So I mean, Fair you're chance. gonna have to have something where you're able to push the Mavericks near playoff contention because it's way it's easier. West, yeah, though. way easier to get into the playoffs than the East. Uh, yep. But you also at least have to be looking like what you were before, but also like a, a, a better version of yourself. Um, I'm hoping they get double bounce backs. I know this is not the topic for it, but Seth Curry could also have a bounce back here on this team. He had good success there before mm-hmm. his injury coming back here. I, I'm hoping that they're able to just really stretch out the floor. And like you said, 23, I think like he and Luca are both going to be around 25. Jesus. You, someone needs to put the bucket in the basket. The bucket the in, the basket. in the basket. The bucket in the basket. <laughs> Bucket in the basket. The bucket in the basket. That's my uh, line. I'm sticking to it. Ball in the basket. Nope. Bucket in okay. the basket. Um. Fuck it. Um. Any final thoughts? Because I mean, we, we, I could, mean we, do we want to argue Kawhi no, as one or because you Kawhi's have universal Giannis. one? I'm sorry, Ricky. The only other thing I'd say is, what are your expectations for Julius Randall in New York? A ton of points. Also going to a new team. Like, he's their big free agent signing yeah. this year. I mean, I talked about effect, and the reason why he's in my top ten is just because I think he's just going to be—I think he's going to be a stud. And I love Julius Randle, so You've it's, been a little, huge it's a little bit clouded. But if he puts up, you know, 23, 24 a night with 12 boards, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, no. He, I mean, he's he's, got, he's got an incredible offensive skill set. Um, defensively, he's got— He's, he's playing at a deficit. He's good he's because fine. his shorter wingspan. Yeah. But he he's, can, he's he can a bounce. high energy guy. Yeah, he can bounce around. He's got good good court ability. So I expect him to have a really good performance in New York as long as they actually get him the ball, which has been the biggest fucking problem because they don't run an offensive set. So I don't know. It, it, it's it's hard to dislike a guy because he's so productive. Every mm-hmm. time the ball gets in his hands, he's a solid player. The guy for me, I'm looking at is you know, Boyan. It's like this guy came off of a monster finish of the season. Uh, right before the playoffs for this Pacers team, carried them into the playoffs after Vic's injury, uh, which people did not really expect out of him. He was able to step up and play really well. And like I said, they they, they forced it out of him in the playoffs, and that was not great for him. But now he goes to a team where good luck. Like they're they're they're, yeah. they're the unsung heroes of the West, and they're going to probably be a top three team. And he's not going to have to do it all. He's going to be able to play elite defense, 
shoot high quality shots and continue to just dominate. So I'm excited for him. Uh, but it's just like, how much is he going to be able to, how many points, like contribution size to the team is going way down. But he might be one of those players who thrives in those situations where usage goes down, efficiency, which is already efficient, goes up even more. You know, you might kind of fall in that reverse auto porter kind of situation where it's like, look, Maybe you're not going to be able to take that next step, but you're going to be incredibly efficient while you're doing it for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, I, I, just out of those two, I think if anyone's going to fall out of the top ten, it might be Randall. Mm-hmm. Um, just going back to that, I feel like we talked about it, Boyan so much. I mean, you, you talked about it with, with them. I mean, it's just going to be you know a ton of ball movement. It's going to be you know efficient basketball. That's that's what they're going to be looking yeah. to do. Um, and I think that you know if we're on the opposite side, the Knicks are probably the the sign of inefficiency. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if he fell out and, and Ricky. Maybe maybe that's where your boy Zion finds us top ten spot. Oh, uh, is taking over Julius Randles. I will say for those of you guys listening at home, Zion should have been in the cumulative top ten because he was tied with uh, Boyan at uh, sixty three, and I think I would put Zion in the top ten over Boyan. None of this. What is he done? Did you yet have Boyan stuff. in your top ten? No, I did not. Where'd you have? I had him at fourteen. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yep, it is. But that's right. Yeah, and Dave and I had him at in our top ten, right? I had him at eight. You had him at eight. Eight. Yep. So I mean, you had two guys that had him in the top oh, ten. I know. I'm just Zion arguing that Zion should be a top ten guy over Boyan. <laughs> what has he done? He's but, done nothing. But you know, he hasn't done anything. But you know who is a top ten? Yeah, you know, I should be a top ten. I should be a top ten podcaster. But I've never also done nothing. I should, but I want it, so give me it. <laughs> you know who is a top ten podcaster though? Zion Williamson. This guy right here. Yeah, I'm he's the upcoming scholar. He's a, he's a right. Jordan. Um, Mark Sheldon, though, like quiet, quietly very good. Oh yeah, he's in the top ten. <laughs> he he doesn't shoot threes, and that's okay. We're okay with it. And well, it's the Spurs; they don't shoot threes. Yeah, he's quality. He just scores. He rebounds. He passes. He gets blocks. Why he's, the Bulls trade him? Steals. I don't know. Plays defense. He he's very good at basketball. Mm-hmm. He's not sexy. He's not <laughs> exciting. And I think that pretty much sums up Lamarcus Aldridge. I mean, also sums up Kawhi Leonard. Isn't he perfect for the Spurs though? He, like Kawhi, Tim Duncan. Spurs. LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, I David mean, Robinson. The thing is, we might Robinson get... was pretty sexy, mm, but like, I mean, his play Na- wasn't Navy like Admiral. I mean, Jesus Christ, he was just impressive. Guy who it's dropped seventy too. just to be the scoring champ, like that's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, that was the be- thing before Pop though. <laughs> the thing we may see with LaMarcus this year is him playing at the five, uh, depending on the whole Yakupertal situation. Um, but we put him in at the four. Uh, I expect Rudy Gay to come off the bench, so we'll see. That'll be a very deep team. And that was your cue, Sean. Who was that? I, I believe that was uh, fucking Rudy Gay, man. No. Did you, you, you whiffed on that one real hard. Fucking Rudy Gay, man. Shit. High quality from this podcast. That's why you're not a top 10 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's been four hours. We're all the way through our one through thirty power forward rankings. Um, yeah, but I there's mean, some guys who like backup power forwards who could easily be on this list too. Like this list could keep Luke going. Luke Cornett. Luke Cornett's not one of them. <laughs> oh fuck! I was thinking Jandon Jark. Jandon Jark. Jandon Jark would. I, I'd put him in my top thirty. Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines might be a top thirty. Really? I don't know. Probably playing center. Yeah, that's all right. I don't know. I'm just gonna throw out. I was trying to throw out names that aren't gonna be. Oh, okay. Top 40 power Fair forwards. Enough. I just wanted to be Fair on all of them. Uh, anyways, uh, let us know your thoughts on uh, on our top 10. Yep. Uh, especially, uh, you know, let us know what you think about AD versus Giannis. Um, who is the better player there? Um, we'd love to take your thoughts there. And also with uh, with that, who do you think should be number one? Is Kawhi number one? Ricky, you didn't give your thoughts too much about uh, Giannis over Kawhi. But... I mean, 
Kawhi is good and all, but like Dave said, Giannis has gotten better every year. He's going to get better this year, and he's the reigning MVP. I don't know. But Kawhi Leonard wins championships everywhere he goes and now. Beat his ass in the playoffs, so. Bounce. I bounce, mean, the Bucks were bounce. up 2-0. I mean. And then they choked. I mean, the rest of the team needs to show up also. Giannis didn't improve. If Kawhi wins the championship with the Clippers, I'm just saying, like, is there any question? Is he better than LeBron James? That's a conversation we want to have, actually. (laughs) I'd love to have that. But then you could also say... The man's traveled and won three championships on three teams. The ultimate journeyman. Well, hey, if LeBron wins it this year, then he's also done that. But he's not. (laughs) Because the Clippers are going to win it. Is that for sure? <laughs> Did you pick, who picked the Raptors before the season? You? No one. No one. Okay. That's the point. I was, I was waiting for a Sean, like, I picked him. No. <laughs> no one picked him. No one knew they were going to win nope. the fucking finals. No one knew what we'd expect out of you know, Kawhi Leonard, and they won it. So, I mean, we all thought it was going to be the fucking Warriors again, but it's not. I'm glad it's not the Warriors. I'm glad yeah. to be over with that. Anyways, uh, let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. Um, also, rank us uh, podcaster-wise. Like, you know, would we be top ten? All right? Uh, let us know down in the comments below. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for uh, Dave Oster, for Ricky Wimmer. I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.